Carlson, I am post. First of all, that is the first problem. And second of all, like if I do start like blasting out people's audio, it does start to clip and shit. It starts to sound not super great. Yeah. So I try not to do that too much. You know. Oh, I guess I should. I should record a backup since I'm the one who was just yelling at you <laughs> just guys, telling to us to record backups. Go what? Download new programs. Either way. <laughs> uh, all right, we ready to go? Oh yeah. Let's do this shit then. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance, our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe work point of view. I am Tim. I am hosting this 264th episode of our podcast. Uh, with me, I have Mark. What's up, everybody? And we have a returning Paul coming to us from South Korea. Hi, everybody. <laughs> How are you guys doing this week? Busy. Yeah, Not busy, too. because I'm on my fourth week of summer vacation. <laughs> Next week will be busy because I have to start onboarding two new teachers on my team of a team of three. The two teachers who were my seniors on the team both left. So now I'm the team leader. And You're uh, the senior so I now to, and you've been there. I'm the senior one after six like months. One term or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one term. Literally one <laughs> term. And I'm like, I'm, a, I'm doing the leader thing now. But... <laughs> I have been like in full sloth, lazy mode all summer, and it's been fucking amazing. I haven't been this relaxed <laughs> ever, and it's good. It's good. Nice. I like it. Nice. All right. Well, we will uh, get into this week's nerdy news then here. Um, let's see. First one, the first What If has started uh, our next Disney Plus series. We got our first episode, which was... Captain Carter, basically. Peggy Carter getting the super soldier serum and treatment rather than Steve Rogers. I liked it. It was fun. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. I watched it already. I liked it, too. Yeah, it was really good. I've kind of weirded out. Not not that it was unexpected, but the total scrubbing of swastikas. Like, they say Nazi. And we know that Hydra... We've learned before that Hydra was like the big evil behind the Nazis or like a more evil, more supernatural evil than the Nazis. And like the show did a pretty good job of showing how like the Nazis were normal people who were like evil in a kind of banal way, Hannah Arendt banality of evil kind of style. But like they weren't very clearly Nazis, whereas the Hydra uniforms were all out there. And I'm like, well... I imagine that they're probably just trying to not give people reasons to fucking cosplay Nazis anymore. <laughs> mm. Well, I don't know. I They kind of own Indiana Jones now, right? It's true. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot of Nazi punching happening in future Indiana Jones movies. So I don't know. The Empire in Star Wars is also just straight up Nazis. Oh, yeah. Right? Space and like, fucking like, yeah. yeah fucking Goose so, and SS. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, they haven't really shied away from doing like stormtroopers and shit in the Disney stuff. So I don't know. I assume it's because it's more like an animated thing. They, they shy away from that stuff. It's kind of like how in the cartoons they wouldn't like straight up show the Nazis either. You know what I mean? Like it, most of the time, like even like in the old Justice League animated show, they would always shy away when they do World War II and like never exactly show us. That was like a fucking like, kid show ostensibly. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is a Disney show. What do you want? We've been talking about them whitewashing and being all like weirdly on PC for Marvel stuff for the last, what, six months anyway, yeah. Yeah. as they Disneyfy Marvel this is true. and take all of Stan's beautiful progressive ideals out of its DNA, which... I don't know how the fuck you do that, but like, you know, they're trying. 
while we're talking about shitty things that Disney slash Marvel are doing, apparently they're only paying comic creators about five grand every time they adapt their work into like a billion dollar fucking property, which is a goddamn travesty. That's an uncharitable thing to say, Tim, considering they also invite them to the premiere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, my, my, my fucking mistake. Yeah, they got a free, free plane ride out of it, too, to go, yeah. like, have their nose rubbed in it, how fucking little money they got paid. And yeah. when they, like, gave fucking, you know, Chris Evans or whoever, like, you know, $100 million to be in three movies or some shit. Yeah, but I have to say... Like, thank you to Scarlett Johansson in this regard, because, like, she was the most high profile creative, quote unquote, to demand her Black Widow paycheck. And now people can say, like, hey, also the creators are not getting any money who actually wrote these stories. Like, we get like a pittance of five grand. So, like, it's weird. Yeah, It's just like, like, update your goddamn work for higher contracts. Marvel and DC. Marvel, I mean, yeah, work for hire. Like, work for hire. I mean, as somebody who does work for hire now, still. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just the way it works. You kind of got to, you become numb to it eventually as a creative where you're just like, yeah, it's like I get fucked in this process regardless of what I do because yeah. of being a creative. You know what I mean? So you just get kind of used to it eventually and you get numb to it. And then you see people like fighting for it and you're like, oh, good. Like, that's yeah. nice. That's nice. Um, But speaking of Scarlett Johansson, Disney seems to have had a little bit of an awakening and they are said they're not going to release Shang-Chi day and date release on Disney Plus and in theaters. It is going to go to theaters first and not end up on Disney Plus right away. So at least uh, Simi Liu won't get fucked. Yeah, so Shang-Chi will not have a simultaneous Disney Plus release. Uh, It will go direct to theaters first. Bob Chapek said uh, that He's not, they're not going to stream Shang-Chi on Disney Plus with like the whole premiere access thing. You're only going to be able to see it in theaters to start, which I'm fucking fine with because theaters are back open here. And Mark and I went last week and it was fucking fine. Yes. Neither of us are dead of COVID yet. So I think we're okay. Yet. (laughs) Well, I did say yet. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of day and date releases, day and date streaming releases, AMC now has a, an agreement with Warner Brothers where so HBO as well saying that there is going to be a 45 day window during which HBO Warner cannot stream movies as well. So this whole like thing that HBO and Warner are doing right now, where all of their major releases, including our meeting of the episode tonight, got a day and date streaming release is not going to be happening in 2022. That's over at the end of this year. Hmm. Okay. So Dilly, Denny villain of still getting boned here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next on my list, I had uh, Wizard World, the convention running group that ran a bunch of sort of the mostly smaller shows, cons around the U.S., sold all of its conventions to Fan Expo, who run the Toronto show, as well as a bunch of other shows as well. So there will never be another Wizard World show. Yeah, there's one left. I think it's like Chicago next week or something like that. It's the last Wizard World show. Uh, That's kind of weird because that's the last vestige of Wizard Magazine from mm-hmm. our youth i think like that's the company that used to be wizard magazine started as like doing wizard world cons while they were still in the magazine way back yeah, in well, the 90s the magazine still fucking existed yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it didn't suck because it sucked for the last like year and a half that it was out but uh <laughs> yeah so like that's kind of like wizard world like that's kind of the end i don't know i mean there's still like a company and stuff like that like they're still active but like in terms of 
in like direct interactions with the wizard company that used to be, that's kind of it. Like that's kind of the end. Cause now, yeah. and all the shows that used to be wizard world shows will now be fan expo shows, which has been like happening in Canada over the, uh, the last like 10 years. Anyways, fan expo has expanded from just being, you know, that big Toronto con that we had in August to being basically every major city's big con for the year. I think, I think, I think Montreal and Vancouver's cons are both fan expo run now. And I think Calgary's is as well, but I'm not, I, I wouldn't quote me on that one in particular. I don't go to Alberta very often. So <laughs> who does really? I mean, who'd want to? Alberta's a myth. I think I, it might exist. I hear there's cowboys up there. <laughs> but, you know, one day we'll go exploring, but either way. Yeah. So I guess that's, I mean, is fan Expo still just like a Canadian company? They used to be out of Toronto because I've done freelance work for them before. I don't uh, know if they're still headquartered in. I don't know. Let's see. In the 406. But they, they run a dozen events across North America. It doesn't mm-hmm. say where they are. Huh. They used uh, to be headquartered in Toronto because, like, yeah, we, I used to get freelance calls from them every once in a while. So, hmm. whatever. That's cool. Their opportunity yeah. to expand even further in North America. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good for them. Yeah. Especially if they're a Canadian company. I'm all for it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the guys who run Comic Con. Like Soul Comic Con are the guys like SDCC, NYCC are like they're in that branch. So that's a charity too, right? Like SDCC, it's not like a an actual like for profit kind of like convention thing like that. It's just C three or whatever. Yeah, it's like a weird kind of charitable like organization that runs uh, SDCC. I'm not sure about NYCC. Same as Dragon Con. Dragon Con set up as a not for profit organization too. Fair. Yeah, fair. I don't know about NYCC though because that's like. That's weirdly like the publishing, like the strong publishing arm, or especially it used to be more like Marvel and DC just like fucking pitching their shit at you back in the day more than it was like a big SDCC style thing. So I don't know if that'll change, but oof. yeah. anyway, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't been to a Wizard World in like a million years. They used to run them up here too. Like these oh, yeah? odd one in Toronto. Yeah. You'd like like in it the, was like an off season one kind of thing or yeah, it'd be like the spring one. You'd end up with like wizard world mm-hmm. in May or something like that. Cause they knew they couldn't compete with like fan expo by then was fucking enormous. Like post 2006 fan expo was kind of the only game in town uh, yeah. in Toronto eventually. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll be going to all these cons soon enough. So yeah, for sure. Uh, next on my list, we got announcements uh, for who's going to be playing Gomez and Morticia in that Wednesday Adams Netflix series. Luis Guzman, who we will know from Community and other <laughs> things like Waiting and other comedy movies, is going to be playing Gomez. I think that's fucking great casting. And Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to play Morticia, which I also think is pretty good, solid casting. Although yeah. I'm going to s- say that I still would have rather seen Christina Ricci in that. I, I feel like it might be weird having Christina Ricci with like a... A college-aged daughter because she's younger than us is she not not by much she's got to be around our age man some of our friends probably have college-aged people you know what i mean i understand that but like it <laughs> I, I i'm still not willing to accept my uh, being 40 this year so like let's just move on yeah. i like this casting though i'm kind of on board like adam Zeta jones what was the last time she did anything aside from mary michael douglas yeah. the most terrifying thing that ever happened in the world yeah no, those, yeah, both of those casting decisions totally worked for me. Yeah. The next thing, I got a bunch of DC comic stuff going on. The big one is that Tim Drake is by, which has yeah. kind of been like one of those open secrets in comics for a while. Like, kind of everybody, they've like tap danced around it a little bit, but finally they came out and said it. They came out and said it in like this mini series that nobody's really reading though, and then I'm 
fully fucking behind on though, which is Batman urban legends, which feels like a bit of a fucking cop out to me. Like just do it in, you know, Batman or detective or some shit like that, or get the, he doesn't have his own book right now. Right? Like he's on, no, there's, there's a Robin series, but it's, uh, it's Damien. Damien's isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, there's no red Robin or Drake or whatever the fuck they're calling him these days. Yeah. Was it not red Robin? No, they turned it. They changed him to Drake like last year, and his suit was uh, like not, brown, like a duck. It was, it's stupid. I'm not. I'm not going to comment on DC's editorial decisions uh, <laughs> at this point because I feel my biases always end up showing when this kind of thing comes up. Yeah. But uh, I mean, good for them for doing it. I, yeah, if they, yeah. If they kind of copped out on it, then whatever. Yeah, I feel like they've always kind of hinted at him maybe not being like a hundred percent straight in the books. Yeah, he always right? kind of had that bromance with uh, Connor Kent, right? Yeah, like, yeah, there's that. And he, he was always really, I don't know, they kind of hinted at it in other books, too, in the Bat Family, like, especially post him being, like, full-time Robin. Yeah. They started expanding his character a little bit more. And, like, yeah, they were never, like, 100%, like, whatever, one way or the other. So, whatever. At least as far as I was aware. I know the internet got all pissy about it, because, like, the internet always gets pissy about that. But, yeah. like, at this He's point. Fucking woke, get woke or broke. I read the few pages where the coming out scene happens and I thought it was pretty well handled. I was like, he kind of has like that light bulb moment where he's kind of like, oh, he's fighting alongside this blonde twink. I don't remember what his name is. (laughs) I just read it today, too. So there you go. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, oh, this is like getting my motor running, I guess. And he's like super into this guy. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That, That was pretty well handled overall. Like I've seen it's not it wasn't like a, a tearful gnashing of teeth. I'm gay or I'm yeah. fly or anything like that. You know, he's it's- one of those guys that like, you know, has only had a couple of relationships because he he was the Robin that really fucking threw himself into the job. One hundred percent kind of thing. Right. Like the only reason he ever hooked up with uh, with Stephanie. Stephanie, yeah. Brown. Spoiler. Stephanie Brown. Yeah. Spoiler is because like they were, you know, on missions and shit together. Right. And like, you know, they were clashing in their secret identities. Like he never really had much in the way of personal relationships outside the mask. And so like, it makes sense, you know, that he maybe has never really sat down and fully considered like, Hey, am I fully straight? Or, you know, if I had the opportunity with the right person, would I maybe be a little gay kind of thing? So I'm good with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's been, and he's also been Robin like full time since he was like, what, how old was he when they made him Robin? Like he was a kid. Like fifteen or something pretty, like that. Like yeah, Spider-Man. pretty young. He's Spider-Man like, yeah. aged. Yeah, it was like yeah, mid teenage kind of thing. So, so I don't know. Cool. More. Yeah, I'm good with more representation. The next thing I had is that Batman is leaving Gotham apparently in the comics, starting this November. I don't know. I don't know. They're just doing one of those things again where it's like almost all the books one month are just going to be fucking Batman books, and yeah, it's just bat everything bat saturation that's just dc these days isn't it like i don't know i don't really know what their publishing's like right now i kind of don't like engage with like week to week dc when i do see them like the the front page of comiXology when it is dc focused generally is like bat like fixated so yeah Yeah, that's whatever i just assume that's just dc's like yeah like everybody kind of like if you're reading dc you're probably reading a batman book 
or you're reading both of the main Batman books because everybody always seems to be reading both yeah. main Batman books. But people who right consistently so. collect comics usually roll their eyes at this kind of stuff constantly. But then when you hear them talk about it at con, they're like, well, these are the things that sell. It's like when they were doing the reboots for Marvel, like, and, oh, yeah, yeah. and stuff. I remember, I remember that when we went to con- oh, Fan Expo, like... <sighs> 10 years ago? Uh, was it 10 years ago? years ago? Yeah. Minimal. This was about the time of that one, was it the Matt Fraction event in Marvel? Oh, like, yeah. I think it was around Guardian uh, one? Secret Invasion or something like that. Maybe. Sometime, or... I can't remember what it, Fear Itself. Oh man, those boys! That's the oh yeah, it was it was fear itself because Stuart drew that one. That was the one right. we were and we were at that panel because Stuart was at that panel, right? And so and they were like, yeah, we like you guys all are pissy about this stuff, but this is the kind of stuff that you all buy it. People, you sell it sells. Fraction came right out and said it. He's like, every fucking time we do it, you buy it. So like, you know, you can bitch all you want, but you fucking buy it. What, what do you want these companies to do? They they run on data, and you buy the shit. So like, yeah, yeah. Well, slap, so, like slap a bat on it, and it's gonna yeah. And then there's, so, and then there's that go. right. They'll bitch about too much Batman, too much Wolverine, too much Spider Man. But it's still like you fucking buy every issue that shows up with a Spider Man on it. Well, that's what you fucking get. You know what I mean? And kids do too. And when yeah. like so, the kids are standing in the checkout aisle, they see the they see Batman, and they're like, "Mommy, buy this for me." And yep. there you go. I'm not saying that it's good. It's probably bad writing most of the time. How can we shoehorn in Batman to every single comic? I mean, they've managed. They've done it before. Yeah. They'll do it again. <laughs> Any... And it's not like we're harping on Batman, but like it isn't just them. Like th- there's a reason why this is called Wolverine publicity, like on TV tropes. Because <laughs> like Wolverine's on every fucking team in the Marvel Universe. Like yeah. to this day, he's still on it. Jamming in everywhere. I was like, I was looking at like a new Avengers issue from like two weeks back, and I was like, "Wait, is Wolverine on the fucking Avengers again? <laughs> like, how did that? When did that fucking happen? He's just there, just showed up. I guess I don't know. Like, All right, bored. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go cut some people, so he's like, "I gotta go hang out with Captain America, I guess this week. Whoever's Captain America this week, we don't know. Yeah, but we'll go. I'm gonna go find that person, and we're gonna There's go kill a bunch some people. of different ones now." Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's like six of them going around right now. Yeah, it's Logan's crazy. like, they never give me an arc in anything, so I just do guest appearances now. It's more lucrative that way. <laughs> they basically just treat him like they did in Astonishing, where he's just like a side character that snarks, and they use Laura in the main X-Men stories right now, right? Like, she's kind of the centerpiece as Wolverine in the current House of X, like the big thrust of what's going on, and like the drama of the the gala event that happened and Scarlet Witch dying and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Laura's on the X team as Wolverine, not Logan. He's off, you know, being Logan. Being Logan. Yeah. So I don't know, whatever, <laughs> but he's still in 98 books, you know? So <laughs> what are you going to do? Same thing mm-hmm. with Batman. <laughs> See, like, like look how many walking dead books there are. You know what I mean? Speaking <laughs> of things that like sell well. So they just multiply. There's like 10 of them. now. Or this something. is true. So, this is true. Right. Comic books, man. That's the way it works. Yeah, while we're talking about Batman and Batman writers and stuff, the current writer of Batman, James Tinian the Fourth, is moving from DC to this subscription platform, Substack, that seems to be grabbing up a bunch of like big name creators right now. Uh, it basically seems like sort of OnlyFans or Patreon for comic book creators kind of thing where it like you, sub- you yeah. subscribe to the creators that you like and you get their content only kind of thing you know you can subscribe to multiple creators if you want to sort of thing but they threw basically a big grant at him to make his own original ips 
and they let the creators keep the the intellectual property and everything for them. So I think he's just done with working for DC for now and wants to, you know, has some ideas that he wants to go out and do on his own. And he's got enough, you know, name recognition now that he can fucking do that. So that's what the the big two are for now for like if you're in the creative field. I think obviously, yeah, yeah I, I listen and talk to a lot of these guys, right? And that's what they basically say, like, make your buck, like, make some, like, you make a little bit of money at Marvel, you're not going to go broke while you're working there, like, they pay okay, yeah. you know what I mean? But, like, make your name there, like, do Spider-Man for a couple years, have some fun, and then when you've got enough name recognition or Instagram followers to, you know, port over to a Patreon over, yeah. and your own book, go to Image with your own book and bring that audience with you, and then you get to keep fucking all of it, you don't have to worry about DC and Marvel taking all that yeah. Uh, or, or whatever percentage of your audience yeah. is dedicated to you as a writer rather than exactly. the, the characters Batman, in the brain, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So and there is, there's there's definitely that contingent. I would argue it's maybe about even with the number of people these days that are like, you know, there are definitely people that follow around writers no matter what they're writing, kind of thing. Um, for better or for worse. That's ninety percent of what I do when yeah. it comes to comics, is mostly like I follow creatives around. Like I go, I'll pick up a book because Stuart's drawing it. I would I mean I won't say his name, but like I would read <laughs> uh, Matt Fraction or Ed Brubacher. Like I would go, I would follow them from book to book. Like he went from Cap to Daredevil to whatever. I followed him from book to book. As yeah, well, so, I did it with Gale too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it's sure. the same thing, right? Like I followed him from like powers to ultimate Spider-Man through new Avengers and all that stuff. And I'm guilty so. of it in that I will put though like those writers whose shit that i like at the top of my reading pile like i'm still yeah. strictly dc guy but like if there's a gail simone book if there's like a like a tom king book or whatever i'll usually put that at the top of my reading pile these days because i usually know that i'm you know that's going to be a quality read yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's why I like i'll put brubacher a fraction up to the top of the list because like i know like i'm gonna like or, or tinian for the most yeah. part or yeah i mean like on the on the dc side i'm less like familiar all the time but like if i see Scott Snyder, I'm like, yeah, it's probably gonna be the first book I read or whatever, because like, unless it's fucking Dark Knights. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I read that first the week it came out, and then <laughs> it kind of went to the bottom of the pile afterwards. <laughs> but I mean, it was definitely like, I mean, they had Greg Capullo doing art too, so like that was a that was a fucking high level draw for me at that point after that Batman run. So yeah, like I follow yeah. the writers around, but it does sometimes it bites you in the ass, but it's better than getting stuck like you know in the middle of the Clone Saga and still be fucking picking up nine. Uh, spider-man books a you know month or whatever yeah. not that i'm speaking from experience that i didn't do that through the 90s yeah but. and the, the other big name that has just jumped over to Substack is chip zadarsky is apparently going to be doing some stuff over there as well i hope he doesn't leave fucking daredevil till he's done god please chip don't leave me until you're this, done this one but. i don't think this one doesn't look exclusive uh, no just, it's not I, he's yeah. 32 just came out so i'm assuming he might be wrapping his run up which will be sad it'd be a sad day for me but i think he's still working on daredevil right now so yeah no uh scott snyder and jonathan hickman have also said that they're going to be doing some stuff on substack as well so it's getting some big fucking names yeah yeah hickman's another guy that i'll kind of follow around after his avengers and fantastic four run like as he Mm -hmm. went over to dc and came back and this that and the other thing so yeah the other guy i was thinking about that writer that wrote thor that i like jason aaron he oh, does right. like he wrote he wrote on Logan for a little while, and then he went over to Thor, and he's doing something else. But his Thor shit was fantastic, and the only reason I would have read it was because he was writing it, kind of thing. Yeah, the only reason I usually ever read Thor is because a creator that I like has <laughs> gone on the book. Like, that's why Paul and I got into that J. Michael Straczynski uh, arc back in the mm-hmm. day. I only read that because it was JMS who wrote it, and then we got into Quipel's art. Obviously, like I got into Quipel's art. So yeah, but, 
And Jason Aaron wrote an X Wolverine and the X Men, which yeah. I read for a little while. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, the very last thing I had on my list is there was another announcement about the Lord of the Rings Amazon series, and th- that it is going to be moving production to the UK for its second season, which. Uh, for anybody that doesn't remember, the first two seasons were greenlit right off the bat because Jeff Bezos has all the fucking money in the world and can ride his stupid fucking dick rocket into space. And yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, you know, everybody is, you know, there are people that are like disappointed because they're like, oh my God, New Zealand has to be Middle Earth and everything. But I think there's also plenty of fucking scenic places in the UK where they can also film you know, middle earthy stuff, especially considering that is where Tolkien was from. And he was basically writing a mythology for England for the United Kingdom. So, and we saw from game of Thrones that like, they can make England look real pretty when they want to. So like Northern Ireland, mostly technically United Kingdom. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, England can look good in certain spots. And if you uh, look at watch Lindsay Ellis's docu series on the Hobbit movies and how the Hobbit law came into effect, uh, it wasn't exactly a great thing for New Zealand for the Hobbit movies to be there for in terms of like workers rights and things. It was quite bad. So this might actually be a blessing in disguise for them. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I mean, at this point, is New- the entirety of New Zealand not dedicated to just making whatever Taika Waititi wants to make at this point? Because if they aren't, farming. should should they not be at this point? I mean, sheep farming is going to go without saying down there, but I just mean at this point, just let him make vampire shows and paranormal shows down there as much as possible and mm. give them to me in my eyeballs. Cause both of those shows he's making down there are fucking hilarious. Oh, I didn't have this on my list, but what we do in the shadows did get renewed for a fourth season. Surprise, surprise before the third se- season even started. I mean, who's surprised by that? That shows yeah. like the funniest fucking thing going on TV right now. Yeah. So my favorite thing is like everybody that is just now getting to see Wellington Paranormal because it just became oh available God. in North yeah. America through like legitimate channels. Let's say, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> exactly. How are you guys just seeing this now? I've watched the whole fucking like the first three seasons already. I had people asking me about that. Like, Do you watch Wellington Paranormal? And I'm like, dude, welcome to fucking like 2017 <laughs> or some shit. Like that's we've been, I've been watching that show forever. Yeah. Like this, the first season so funny. You remember this bit? I'm like, no, I watched it like five years exactly. ago. Plus no, COVID. So yeah. fuck, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I watched it three years ago, and it actually feels like ten years ago because yeah, COVID. So. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys anymore. Oh, brutal. Anyway, <laughs> that was everything I had for news. Did I miss anything? No, I'm, I won't maybe, but I haven't really been paying attention today. Is that it? <laughs> I think that was it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's such a fucking mess now. How can you even check that news anymore? <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I can fix your fucking shit. Uh, yeah, I, I just use their fucking Facebook feed anymore. That's the only way that I can like see what they've posted chron- chronologically. <sighs> then I got to be in Facebook longer than I absolutely have to be, which That's I'm just true. like against. So. Maybe you could do their Twitter yeah. or something. Anyways, with that, we can move on to our... Geek of the week. Geek of the week. Which is a segment of our podcast where each of us discusses the nerdiest thing we've done in the last week or so. So let's go to Paul first since she's our special guest host. What's your geek of the week? Oh, man. I tried not to talk about Final Fantasy 14 again, but (laughs) I tried not to. But that's literally all I do for the last four. Four weeks so like <laughs> and it didn't help anything that i got my boyfriend into it so he has a level 80 paladin now <laughs> we both have level 80 jobs which is the maximum level currently in final fantasy 14 and 
that's what we've been doing. I mean, I saw, I, I got back to the theater and saw movies. That was pretty fun. Like I, it was purely geeky in that I wanted to see Suicide Squad and The Green Knight, which I saw. And that was pretty geeky because I was really excited about it because I read that epic poem, romance poem in <laughs> university. And I was like, how is this going to be adapted? Very interesting. <laughs> the answer is in the most no homo way possible. But of course, so <laughs> yeah. there you go. I don't know if you guys know that the Green Knight has a, what is it? Bisexual MMF cuckold role play as a major part of the story. Um, and it involves like, oh, anything that you get in my castle, you have to give to me, Sir Gowan. And so the, the lady of the house gives him kisses. And so he gives the, Gowan gives the Lord kisses. And that was omitted not omitted turned into a like moment of discomfort for dev patel in this movie and i was like eh <laughs> i think i, I thought watched you were that fun with it yeah it was not <laughs> eh, it was it was very pretty and fine but yeah final fantasy 14 was more geeky because i spent an entire day yesterday leveling the alchemist class just so i could make one weapon for a glamour which is like just to make so you were, my you character were just look like craft leveling for a whole day for a whole day, so I could make a a staff that has a moogle on top of it for my white mage. And when you pull it out, it ha- it like glows pink, and it has like music notes circling around it. It's <laughs> fucking adorable, and I have like a whole costume themed like to match it now. And, oh, glamour is true endgame. I still remember you talking about your like what white titty angel staff or whatever that you had at one point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That has since evolved glowing into a... Glowing staff. Yeah, it's a gl- <laughs> now it's a glowing green, like, more amorphous staff that is, like, the highest level of the Atma weapon. Oh, yeah. Got all of that. It's, like... <laughs> there's a joke in Final Fantasy XIV that true endgame is glamour. Like, every, you're just doing <laughs> things to make your character prettier, and that's yeah. kind of true. I mean, it's not all... I think, that's, like, I think that's all these, yeah, MMOs. Like, that's the same thing it, when you hit, like, level cap in Lord of the Rings Online, is, like, all you get is, like, prettier armor and shit after that point. I mean, that's ostensibly what, like, all these looter shooters that are going on, like, Destiny and, like, Anthem and all that kind of stuff are also. is just, like, you get, like, cosmetic upgrades so you can, like, look cooler. While, like, Fortnite. Like, people buy shit to make their Fortnite character look cool. It doesn't yeah. like enhance your gameplay ability whatsoever. Like at least all this horse shit you're doing for this, like actually gets you a staff that works on something <laughs> in the game. Aside from just looking like it looks cool, but it also has a function. I mean, yeah. the Fortnite horse shit is like legitimately just like, you know, they've got cool like parachute pants and like <laughs> cool haircuts. Yeah. And I don't even know what these fucking kids are into anymore. They can do fun dances and shit. Yeah. They got the dances. That's it. The yeah. dances. That's the I'm, thing. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, final fantasy 14 does all <laughs> of those things too. You can buy, you can buy dances, you can buy haircuts, you can buy yeah. costumes, but like it's more respected within the community to earn and design your glamours through in-game content rather than just buying it off the the store can so, you tell given the like the captive audience of hardcore final fantasy nerds that are probably playing this or very old school final fantasy nerds like yeah 
You know what I mean? That would that kind of makes sense to me. But like, yeah. there's I, a lot of that. But there's also been a huge influx of World of Warcraft people coming into Final Fantasy 14. I don't know if you've been seeing this on Kotaku, but because yeah, of yeah, wow, like Blizzard's fucked. So yeah, yeah, basically everybody's done jumping ship at this point. Yeah, the one of the major WoW streamers, Asmon Gold, I believe his name yeah. is, uh, jumped ship to Final Fantasy 14 and brought a lot of people with him. And so, yeah, then they have to open new servers. They have to open new yeah, servers. They have didn't to they? open new <laughs> servers, and they had to institute like usually you could just leave your character idling in Limsa Lominsa, which is like the main hub for ever. But now they've like capped your time to thirty minutes idling. There's yeah, it's just been like with all these new people, everyone's been doing older content, and so it's been nice to like have that while Jihoon was leveling up Mm -hmm. through as well so i like he wasn't waiting in queue forever especially as a tank class like you you jump the queue pretty easily but like he was able to get all that old content done and now he's almost unlocked as much as i have in fact on one quest line he has unlocked more and i'm a little bit jealous but i'm gonna catch (laughs) up and it's all good but yeah final fantasy 14 has like there's been new life breathed into it and so i'm like gonna i've leveled i'm starting to level monk now because I wanted to do what is the opposite of White Mage. And so that's <laughs> that's what I'm doing. So yeah, that's my Geek of the Week. <laughs> Alright. Mark, how about you? I mean, it's video games. I've been playing Ratchet and Clank on PS5. It is, uh, it's a Ratchet and Clank game, but it is excellent. It looks fantastic. Actually, I'll probably have it platinum this weekend. I highly recommend it if you're a PS5 owner, though. Like, you should... I mean, don't pay for it. Do not pay full price for this game, though, for the love of God. It's like... <laughs> It's like 15 a hours 60 long. bucks, $60 game or some shit or like their chart. Well, no, it's fucking like full price, $90 or whatever the full price is right now Brutal. for current gen stuff. Right. Like it's 80 or whatever up here. I should say, obviously, Canadian, like, I think yeah. it's, yeah, I think it's uh, 70 in the States or 60 in the States, but I would pay like 25, 40 bucks for it. And I would have been happy with it. It's like, it's only 15 hours long, but it is beautiful. Uh, and it really kind of shows you what like this new hardware can do and stuff. So it was a welcome something to play because the only other game that's really been like ps5 exclusive so far has been dark souls and that's or demon souls or whatever that one's called the remake that came out along at launch and mm-hmm. it beat the shit out of me and i wasn't having a good time with it at least oh, yeah, some, dark, like dark eh. souls yeah the like yeah, legendary hard you. yeah yeah and usually i'm okay with like you know get good hard games but uh, it's a little too plotting for my particular taste so i was kind of waiting for something else but like rift apart was it's been a lot of fun and it's very much like kind of showed me that like i it's a good investment these new decks like they're doing they're able to push a lot of power so nice. pretty happy with it pretty happy with it all right well that goes back to me my geek of the week um i guess i can finally talk about my pc upgrades now that they're like pretty much done so yeah it's only been like nine weeks since we've been talking about it so <laughs> no i did it was only not two the weeks week ago yeah less than two weeks ago that i actually like put all the components in um but like i got a new like core i9 cpu new asus motherboard 32 gigs of new ram my first nvme drive everything's working great it's much fucking faster before and finally output 4k to my 4k monitor now um, straight from the onboard video which is nice and uh, i just need to find a decently priced like mid-range graphics card for it now and like then i'll kind of be all set with it F- did a fresh install of windows 10 because the upgrade advisor or whatever, the upgrade tool was like, no, you cannot upgrade this like ancient install of windows seven. That was like upgraded from windows Vista that maybe was even upgraded from XP. 
you cannot upgrade this to Windows 10. You just have to do a fucking fresh install. So I did have to do my first fresh Windows install in like at least a decade. Sweet Christ. I do like two <laughs> fucking like year at this point. <laughs> just wipe it out and start from scratch. I would have loved to got my hands on the registry of that fucking machine. By the, like, just disaster. Before. I did have like a registry cleaner that I would run up, but I'm sure it was still a Those mess. things are shit. Yeah. Those things are dog shit. There's probably all kinds of dead entries in that fucking thing. Oh, yeah, for been sure. a disaster. Disaster yeah. with legacy code and shit in there. It Beautiful. takes me so long to get a computer and like an OS to the point where like I'm happy with it with all the settings. Like, you know, we fucking just spent like five minutes earlier trying to like reset my microphone settings and shit like that. I still haven't reinstalled iTunes because like I want to make sure that I have the time to properly fucking like, re- you know, rebuild my library and everything. So that's like the only major thing that I haven't done yet. But like all that data is still sitting there on my old like the library data is still sitting there on my old SSD with the Windows 7 like data and everything on it. So that should be relatively easy when I finally do it. But as easy as anything is in like modern iTunes these days, which just just yeah, like well. what a fucking disaster that program is now. I actually loaded it up to like back up my iPad and iPhone. Yeah. Like this week and I was like, first of all, still no dark mode. Third of all, <laughs> yeah. Why is this taking up more RAM than fucking Photoshop? It's Oh yeah, it's three player. It's total RAM fucking mess so mm-hmm. I, I i'm i'd be very happy if they got rid because i know on apple because i have a mac for work uh it's just apple music is the app now like they don't even have itunes anymore yeah. it's just like a legacy windows thing that they've kept going because we still ship iphones to pleb windows users i guess well because yeah i mean they they want everybody to switch to fucking streaming and i am resistant to streaming as i've said many times on the podcast and still want to have all my shit downloaded locally on my old hacked fucking ipod classic so I will still, and that's where like all my music ratings and shit like that are too, right? So like, unless they give me an easy way to move all those playlists and all those play counts and music ratings and everything onto some streaming oh, service, yeah. then fuck them. All right. Well, that is it for Geek of the Week. Then we move on to our meat of the episode. Giant starfish nom nom meats. <laughs> yes, Mark and I and Paul apparently went back to the movie theaters for the first time since the start of fucking COVID like 17 months. And we, we all saw the suicide squad. Mark and I actually fucking saw a movie together for the first, like in a theater for the first time ever. <laughs> Not only that, we saw a movie. It had been 17 months since any of us had seen a movie. And we went and saw another Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> another the Harley last Quinn movie, movie we saw in theaters was a fucking Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> no, and Mark, that was, another one. Mark, that movie was called The Birds of Prey. It wasn't a Harley Quinn No, they movie. retitled it, remember? Remember they retitled it <laughs> a week after or whatever? So it was Harley Quinn and The Birds of Prey? All That's the, what yeah, the, all the fucking says. Yeah, and all the fucking uh, like marquees and everything. They were like, yeah, we're just going to call this Harley Quinn at this point. I mean... <laughs> it's going to get more, more asses in the seats. So, But yeah, that was that was February 2019. It was, it was yeah. a Valentine's Day released, uh, February yeah. 2019, and we are now in fucking, or 2020. 2021. Yeah, and we are now in August 2021, and yeah, another fucking Harley Quinn, like, focused movie has come out. Yep. yep. So. Nothing else in between, but like, a, two Harley Quinn movies back to back. Good for yeah. you, DC. Good on you. <laughs> but yeah, so, the, the Suicide Squad, the loose sequel to David Ayer's Suicide Squad, written and directed by James Gunn in the first work that he has done for DC, starring everybody. 
Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Idris Elba as Bloodsport, John Cena as Peacemaker, Joel Kinnaman back as Rick Flag, Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark, Viola Davis back as Amanda Waller, Jai Courtney back briefly as Captain Boomerang, <laughs> Peter Capaldi as the Thinker, and a bunch of other fucking people on top of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nathan um, Fillion also. We got Nathan Fillion, yeah. our Canadian brother Nathan Fillion, and Michael Rooker. And, yeah. Oh yeah, Michael Rooker's in there at the beginning. There's also yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Pete Davidson, Flula Borg is Pete in Davidson, this movie. Flula yeah. Borg. Right. Just crazy. Yeah. David, yeah, David S. Malkian, and then uh, Danielle Melchior plays one of the other leads, uh, rat catcher too. Yeah. Yeah. And Taika Waititi in a fucking cameo role that nobody knew about. <laughs> yeah. I would like to point out that exactly what I said was going to happen in this movie happened and that everybody oh, fucking died in the first 13 seconds of it. So yeah. yeah, we were talking, I remember talking about this when the first trailer came out. I'm like, I bet you half those motherfuckers died within like oh, the yeah. opening fucking scene. And they all did. And I was like, yeah. I, it's like, I wrote this fucking movie. <laughs> All right, so before we go any further, for any of our listeners that might not have seen The Suicide Squad yet, we're definitely going to go into spoiler territory. So, Paul, what was the plot of The Suicide Squad? Okay, I wrote like a two-page. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Two-pager, because it was just like... It's required. Okay, so we open to the Folsom Prison Blues, and Yondu has had some work done, uh, because Michael Rooker is sitting there looking like some cross between Yondu and Julian Assange or something. I love that Folsom prison blues needle drop. Like that set the tone right away for what this movie was going to be. I was like, yep, I'm there. Done. Yeah. And so he is playing savant, our current point of view character, um, demonstrating some ball proficiency. And his his stupid fucking orange Crocs. Yeah. Dumb (laughs) orange Crocs. And he kills a little baby bird, which the birds will have their revenge eventually, but we'll get there. What the fuck does Gunn have against birds in this fucking movie? Like, I yes, know. they get their revenge on Savant, but then, like, Gunn definitely burns a shitload of fucking birds later in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. he's the, Either he has a thing against birds, or maybe birds aren't real, as is the popular oh, theory these days on the internet. Let's, yeah, we're not going to go there. <laughs> anyway, so he gets called over... No, 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 no. Hold on. Wait. Is there a thing on the internet where people think birds aren't real? Is this yeah, actually a thing? It's, yeah, it's an, so it's it, started out as, it started out as a performance art thing, but now there's people that, like, legit believe it. Yeah. Oh, man, I got a hollow earth theory that these fuckers will really love. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get in touch with the last podcast on the left, guys. You guys can finish this episode, right? I'm gonna go. I gotta make a call because I think I can sell a bunch of more on something. Yeah. If anybody wants to wants to see that, you can go to www.birdsaren'treal.com. All right, you know what? Society's over. Pull the fucking plug. It's done. Just call it a fucking Birds day. Oh, God, you, you can't yeah, tell us done. what's fucking satire anymore. Anyway, we're fucking done, boss. <laughs> How do you do comedy at this point? You know what I mean? Colbert got out at the right time. He was right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Comedy is finished. The, yeah. the world is done. Can't, yeah. can't do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, Amanda Waller calls him in because he's part of their suicide squad now. And they go through like what took the original movie 15 minutes to explain was done in 15 seconds. This is what the suicide <laughs> squad is. And we yeah. don't need a character montage, even though those were kind of the best part of that original movie again damning by great. being praised because yeah. that was pretty fucking bad movie yeah that's like sprinkles on a fucking bowl full of shit though yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, so like that's much. exactly that salad. it's yeah. still all shit you know at the end of the day 
Yeah. So he's brought in on his first mission along with our familiar faces, which would be Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, and Rick Flagg. And he's joined by some newcomers, Blackguard, played by Pete Davidson, Mongal, played by Mei Ling Ng, The Weasel, played by Sean Gunn. <laughs> Yay. Uh, Javelin, played I by love that fucking, that, that fucking like disgusting character model is amazing. I love that incredible. character model. Yeah. And TDK, Nathan Fillion. TDK stands for TDK. And he won't have any questions, no further questions about TDK. The, the detachable kid. The detachable kid, yeah. So we we get to find out what his power is later. Oh my god. That was that might be the funniest fucking scene in the first like half of the movie. Like Carly <laughs> Quinn starts fucking commenting on it. It's, oh my god. Every, everybody's name is made of letters. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, that's good. That's yeah. Entire, well, like yeah. when they start asking about like, what is is it a dog? And like they called it a weasel at the beginning. He's like, is this a dog? <laughs> and it's like, well, and they're all confused at first. Like, did you not hear them say it's a weasel? You fucking idiot! Like everybody's. Kind of and then he's like, well, I'm not familiar with all the breeds. <laughs> and then it's a werewolf, and then they start freaking out. <laughs> like, just, oh god. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is James Gunn comedy 101. Like yeah. it's right out of Guardians and like just dropped in here. So yeah, with more with more swearing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with more swearing. Yeah, so they're off to go storm a beach, which we'll find out more about later. But before that, <laughs> we get some background on the team behind the team, you know, the support team who are taking bets on which of these poor suckers is going to bite the dust first. I don't think Amanda Waller told anybody about her previous team and what happened to them when they were doing onboarding for these guys, because <laughs> they seem really happy to be there and uh, they don't. They don't know, I guess, that she, like, fucking capped all six people who were working for her in the last movie. Like, just... I have a theory about that, which I'll get to later. Yeah. Well, they seem like either they're getting paid really well because they're all putting pretty heavy bets on shit or whatever. Yeah. And one of them is one of the Meow Meow Beans guys. Oh, yeah. uh, Steve Aggie, who is who he's apparently supposed to be the warden of Belle Reve, which like that dude did not come across as a warden to me. But uh, he also did the onset performance for King Shark. Yeah, I was going to say that one of that guy did the uh, the King Shark performance. stuff. Yeah, because because he's just like a big dude. Right. So they're like, OK, yeah. we're just going to like make you like the frame of reference for everybody for King Shark on set. I don't know if he like wore a suit or anything. I didn't see any production you know, stoot or pictures or video or anything. Yeah. Usually they just make you wear a silly hat uh, yeah. these days because they can just take <laughs> you completely out in After Effects before yeah, the easily. post guys even look at the footage. So, yeah. yeah. I'm glad we're going to see more of that dude, presumably in the Peacemaker series because I, I love that that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait for that Peacemaker series. I'm like 100% <laughs> yeah. on board. Yeah. John Cena just like crushed here. So, yeah. Let's get into this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, anyway, so uh, we get some interactions on the plane between the villains, as we were talking about before. And then we the mission starts and we find out that the weasel is not an aquatic animal. <laughs> that almost wait, we were in the theater. That almost killed me because like, yeah. anybody check the weasel can swim. I was like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Like, <laughs> just, just sinks like a fucking stone. <laughs> Set the right off the rails. Yeah, right <laughs> off the rails immediately, right? Like, right just away. right the fuck off the rails. I was like, oh, shit, yeah, here yeah, we go. Yeah. yeah. And Michael Rooker, who's so fucking funny. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. so good in this bit. Like, he's yeah. hilarious. Playing, playing the straight great. man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Doing straight yeah. man. So we get they get to the beach. Weasel 
seemingly did not survive the swim. Um, so first man down, Weasel. The beach is stormed, and we find out that Blackguard has betrayed everyone. And there's a full military spawn- response from the Cordo Maltese army. Cordo Maltese of course Cordo Maltese is an old throwback to DC stuff right like mm-hmm. this, they referenced this in like the Dark Knight Returns yeah and like it gets referenced in 89 Batman too as is this the, the DC like Madripoor, like Madripoor? yes it, it's just this yeah it's it's just this like perennial island nation that they go back to that's you know just some more generically in Central America for, for forever whatever happens yeah. to be the crime of the, the when moment. you said yeah as a marvel guy 100 percent madripoor it is okay. it's dc madripoor yeah DC absolutely okie dokie all right so yeah shit really hits the fan when blackguard immediately gets fucking capped in the face and loses his face, <laughs> face, just, face just defaced oh, completely defaced, <laughs> defaced. <laughs> and then they the suicide squad starts to live up to their name one by one <laughs> Mongal. I think her death was maybe the funniest, combined with (laughs) where she's like, I got this, and she like, it just takes so long for the helicopter to come down when she jumps on it, and then she gets blown up, and then Captain Boomerang dies unceremoniously in that moment. TDK, we learn, is the detachable kid as his arms (laughs) detach from his body and start to like, slap around Oh god! Uh, and I love the like around. incredulous look on the soldiers. They're like, "What the actual fuck is happening yeah. right now?" Like as the, as these detached arms that look like fucking like like action figure arms that have been pulled off. Like they've got that ball and socket joint and everything yeah. are like punching oh. them and like fucking with their helmets and shit. Like what? And he's like he's standing gesticulating to, like yeah. still without his arms. Sells it so well. <laughs> And like fucking flag and Harley Quinn, like you can just see Joel Kinnaman and Marco Robbie, just like what the actual fuck are we doing <laughs> on this set right now? You remember the last movie? This is going to be better than that, right? But like <laughs> that guy's pretending to have no arm. Wow, oh, fuck! <laughs> it's happening again, Joel. Like we're fucked. <laughs> we're fucked. Yeah. yeah. So Javelin gets taken out too, and then Savant <laughs> has a fucking meltdown and decides to bail. And Amanda Waller has a moment of like clarity, that. basically. Yeah. Well, to be fair. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and Amanda Waller is like, uh, get back there because I told you to. And Amanda Waller, being Amanda Waller, blows him up from the inside and he's dead. And roll credits. Welcome to the Suicide Squad. And then the little birdie comes and starts picking at his brain, which was nice. Yeah. The bird revenge. Yeah. The birds are real and they will eat your rotting corpse. So yeah. that's cool. So yeah, we're rolling credits and then we get to see Bloodshot or Dead Sport. I don't Blood remember. Sport. What? Blood <laughs> Sport, yeah. Right, 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 right. Blood Sport. Definitely yeah. not Deadshot. Definitely not Deadshot. Or Deathstroke. Or, or, or Deadpool. Or Deadpool. Or, or, or 75 other characters that are all generic mercenaries that all have exactly the same fucking outfit with a hood and like guns and shit and all all originated in the mid 90s like bloodsport yeah. did <laughs> yeah they're all yeah and like 90 percent of them are batman villains but none of them are the only one that matters is deathstroke but like bloodsport, bloodsport's a superman villain bloodsport that's is right school. he's the one who shot him didn't he yeah, yes. that's right. Make Bloodsport that. is a, and he's the second Bloodsport. The first Bloodsport was a white supremacist like Dick. 
And the second blood sport was like the exact opposite. He was like a kill all the whiteies kind of like black dude. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's very, very progressive. I love how we like <laughs> hatred is colorblind. It's very <laughs> universal. We love that. We love that he kills, he tries to ki- almost kill the symbol of white supremacy that is Superman. No, not really, just, <laughs> but like um, the Ubermensch Superman. Yeah. And so Blood, blood Sport is yeah. doing janitorial. You can just call him Idris Alba also because like yeah. it's Idris yeah. Alba and like he's so fucking good in this. He needs so to good. be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he is. We learned that this is a non sequential narrative because, <laughs> um, wow, he's part of the team. And then we see three oh, weeks later God. or something or three days Blackguard. later on the three, toilet. Black Blackguard comes out and yeah, he's Pete all Davidson. like, "Yeah, clean this up." And then we hate this guy. Pete Davidson sucks. Yeah, we all know that, but that's fine. Yep. <laughs> And Amanda Waller's like, you're going to come work for me. And Bloodsport's like, nah, and then because you have to refuse the call, you have to refuse it. And then we get a visit from Idris Elba's daughter, who is dumb and stole a style watch, which she can use to watch TV. And Bloodsport is just pissed, not that she stole but that she got caught and got caught stealing something really stupid and of course amanda waller being amanda waller has to be able to turn this into an opportunity and in the most like mwahaha evil villain way possible and so she's gonna get his daughter tried as an adult and gets sent to maximum security in a real prison no she gets sent to bell reeve which is like the super villain president yeah like she's getting sent to that prison which is like where they house the real fucking like you know cream of the crop of the dc universe i guess you can say the real position at least in this version of it well i mean this is an arkham but like we're not quite there yet i guess in this universe i don't know yeah and so uh, Amanda Waller says, you work for me or your daughter's coming to join you here. And Bloodsport like tries to kill her or threatens to kill her. And we all know that this is just going to be him joining the Suicide Squad, which he does. And then we get to meet the rest of Team B or the or the eight. I guess the A team, really, because ultimately, yes, live. (laughs) Yeah. So we get to meet first. We get to meet Peacemaker, who is played by John Cena, who yep. <laughs> has a very unique backstory. Yep. And yeah, does exactly what Bloodsport does, but better. <laughs> That's smaller bullets. bullets line. Smaller yeah. bullets. Just... Smaller bullets. Oh, John okay. Cena. You're I the fucking best. Bullets. He is, he is go, so funny. They go through this. the holes that your bullets leave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't even touch the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Next is King Shark, played by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Well, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Um, <laughs> real name Nanahue, who is a shark man and precious, and I love him yeah. a lot. He's great. I just want to give a big hug. Ratcatcher 2 is next. She is our, I guess, lazy millennial, because we had to have that joke. That yeah. needed to that needed to happen. And we also find out that Bloodsport is not fond of rats, but that's her whole shtick. So Aww, poor Benjamin, tension. poor Benjamin, fucking Bloodsport won't even like. He wants to be friends with Bloodsport so bad. Yeah, Sebastian is Sebastian. Name of the rat. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fine. But yeah, Sebastian is a very friendly rat, and he wants to shake hands and be friends. And yeah, and 
there's finally we get the real muscle on the team, which is Polka Dot Man, who throws polka dots. That's his thing. <laughs> and he has like a gimmick that I fine. Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so they get to their mission, which is to go to a facility called Jotunheim in Corto Maltese and stop a thing called Project Starfish, which is not a fake out name. Because usually you call your project something completely unrelated. But in this case, it was very on the nose. Yeah. And it's not about buttholes. Starfish Starfish is a slang name for butthole. Do you think there's any connection? No. Only that John Cena is this fucking comedy genius. And it's just Viola Davis's Davis's just fucking stone face when she responds no to that. It's just gold. Yeah. I've got to see John Cena in everything at this point. He is fucking hilarious like i hated him as a wrestler hated him hated him as a wrestler that goody two-shoes motherfucker but like in these comedies oh my god he just fucking ruins me so good and then in that same scene in Norway, putting up his hand and just saying and And. and waller waller saying yes Norway, that's your hand yeah and we get another kids these days joke with a uh oh the projector not knowing what a uh, projector is and i still did she ever use it for anything? No, no. Yeah. Really. Why don't she just throw it away? And Viola Davis, again, her reactions in this scene, <laughs> priceless. Her reactions in this whole movie. She is Are, fucking yeah, hysterical. Fantastic. Every time she's got to do that dry eye roll that she does, it's fucking <laughs> perfect. It's great, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she looks like she's sick of being on set, <laughs> let alone in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, I fucking hate this shit. I don't want to do this. I am beyond this crap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And I'm going to put every ounce of this me being beyond this crap into this performance. Yeah. Because that's what this performance needs is for me to be completely fucking over this horse shit. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, she sells it 100%. Yeah. yeah. So we snap back to present time after the betrayed. Harley gets a javelin so she can have an arc. Haha. <laughs> because you throw a javelin in an arc. Yeah. Oh. Comedy gold, guys. Um, we see what you did there. There was yeah. a, there, that, I mean, that's a bad math joke. Yeah. Because of, you know, they wrote that joke in there yeah. for us to make. So <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Rick Flag is MIA and they have so <laughs> So I'm just picturing how they rescue Rick Flag. <laughs> it's yeah. just like... So they have some relatable banter about uh eating a beach full of dicks. <laughs> for peace. For peace. Um do it for peace. For liberty. For liberty. For liberty. <laughs> He would kill liberty. every man, woman, and child in his sight for liberty. For liberty. Yeah, it's like, he's oh, just unbelievable. Yeah. Give me that show right now. Just like right in my fucking veins, boys. Like, just <laughs> yeah. give it to me. I'm so yeah. ready. Polka Dot Man barfs polka dots. And so we get <laughs> another piece of his backstory, which is that he barfs polka dots. And he gets deformed by his own powers, I guess, when they're not inhibited or something. So that's that's cool. And that was a great thing to watch. <laughs> And that's something we haven't seen in any of these movies yet is like a negative result of a superpower kind of thing. Like we haven't got, into, I mean, we've done X-Men movies obviously, but like we haven't got back to like X-Men, like these powers kind of suck sometimes too. So yeah. much. I mean, his, yeah. yeah. Polka dot man's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. suck. They <laughs> suck a lot. Yeah. yeah. So team B goes to, into a village to save flag and peacemaker and blood sport have a little competition <laughs> to see who's the best at murder, death, kill. And uh, it's almost a tie until Peacemaker's 
I think kind of ekes out the wind it, by the end, admit, admitted by Bloodsport that it was a pretty awesome kill in the end. <laughs> like the exploding no, no, is a, no one likes to show off. That's what they're showing off. It's fucking show amazing. It's dope as fuck. That's it. Dope as fuck. Dope as fuck. Oh, and then Bloodsport God. turns around and it's like, right. shit, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Delightful. I'm telling you, John Cena and Idris Elba are like the life of everything in this movie. Yeah. So. Dope as fuck. <laughs> is they go to straight man Rip flag who is like oh no this is a resistance army and they're gonna help us <laughs> and the resistance leader is like oh you killed my entire village <laughs> <laughs> these were my family like her, yeah her like you know closest friends and confidants and everything but I, like gets over it real fast like well, just, she said like her family had already been killed there's a piece of dialogue where she says yeah. like her family was already dead and these are just the resistance fighters so she may not be super attached to them but still yeah they do kind of gloss over <laughs> yeah. the fact i mean like it's it's played for comedy right yeah it's she's very much like eyes on the prize play. right she's like yeah yeah you guys are dicks, but but I need you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, very that. Yeah. I mean, they did kill like forty people in like ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that dude in the bed where they just oh, fucking, fucking like nice. axe axes him like eight times in the chest as he's walking oh, by, not even looking. Doesn't at even him. look. Doesn't <laughs> even look. Can, Dude, can I say that this might be like the most obvious uh, difference in like East versus West values that I was the only one laughing when all of this. <laughs> movie, oh, Mark. The, uh, Mark and I were losing our fucking shit the whole time. Oh, but like the whole theater was fucking losing their minds. <laughs> well, all, all eight other people that were in the theater. <laughs> well, I mean, it's better than nothing. That's the kind of shit yeah. that I miss about being in a movie theater is when like the whole fucking room is just belly laughing <laughs> at how ridiculous what's going on on screen is. That's yeah gold so comedy violence in canada and america i guess because we grew up on looney tunes and stuff is very different and taken differently in korea i guess because i was howling when (laughs) the suicide squad was dying on the island team a and then when these guys were were murdering this these poor people. <laughs> I was holding back my laughter so hard that I thought I was going to have an aneurysm and everyone else was just kind of like not reacting and I'm like oh god are am I are my sensibilities wrong they are they are yeah. and <laughs> oh, yeah. but yeah we are a society of sociopaths at this point there's a tool song about it it's called vicarious you know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's out there so yeah so anyway they're going to be this is where they go to a club right yeah they're going they're trying to find oh fuck the club scene yeah they're trying to find guys greaves who is played by 12th doctor peter capaldi who is again also amazing and so good very well cast um before we get to the club scene what happened to harley um the president The president of Corto Maltese decides that she's a super sexy anti-American figurehead and they have a day long romance, which results in a marriage proposal. And Harley's like, oh, no, he's another bad man who wants to give me all the things. And so she fucking caps him with an antique gun that she didn't even know how to bullet in it, <laughs> which was <laughs> very- just the most Harley move ever. There's going to be so much cosplay with this red dress. She's in this oh, yeah. like beautiful red dress, like different stages of like disrepair. Well, she rips it apart, yeah. Like it, yeah. it falls apart as the movie goes on. Yeah, yeah and it's going to be the cosplay of the year. I tell you what, which is so disappointing because like the kind of comic booky costume she's in at the beginning of the movie, like the leather like combat red and black outfit, is yeah. 
one of the best Harley Quinn costumes I've ever fucking seen. Yeah, and they, she's really in good. it for like 13 seconds. And I'm like, oh, well, that's disappointing. That's yeah. she's going to be this dress for the rest of the goddamn movie. I mean, she yeah. looks great, but like, it's Margot Robbie. She's going to look good in like a burlap sack if you put her Whatever. in. So, like, yeah. 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 James Gunn didn't know about Birds of Prey while he was writing this and didn't like watch it or read it or anything like that. But uh, it's, it still tracks and was well yeah. done, this whole thing. So, like, yeah. Well, I like her excuse for why she was back in jail too. She's like, I had a road rage incident in a bank. In a like, bank. Uh, that sounds like a hard. That just for Harley Quinn, that totally fucking tracks for me. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't yeah. have to have any more reason to be back in jail than that. Because yeah, Harley's always in trouble. So. What was the, what was the reason for her turning bad on the animated series again? That they didn't take off the security tag when she paid for her dress and she goes back to her life of crime. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's totally in character for her um, oh, yeah, absolutely. this could take place before or after birds of prey and it wouldn't matter because it's harley yeah so back on team b they're walking together and we get to find out polka dot man has some mommy issues and it's kind of the worst thing in the movie i like this this i did not laugh it's one of those at thanks at i hated things yeah, yeah yeah it was just like i'm just supposed to be angry at this woman with like this backstory that he gives and i'm like i don't know like not the most reliable narrator also so yeah. there's that i don't know it's it's not great but they, I they like that get... actor that actor has just been like crossing the fucking street back and forth like it's like going yeah, out dude. of town like going out of dude, style he's like that's my yeah. yeah who's been who, who like came in in the fucking dark night and then like ended up in ant-man and now he's back in dc it's, yeah hmm, good yeah. for you dude and now he's like a lead and everything and apparently he actually has vitiligo and so oh, what, okay. like was like oh yeah you want me to play pokemon man that's fucking perfect i love it yeah. let's yeah. do it cool yeah so they go they drive to a club they meet their driver milton um <laughs> poor milton <laughs> poor milton. Who weirdly factors into a lot of the plot <laughs> going forward <laughs> just like yeah. in the background like perfectly yeah. in the background like yeah, always always yeah. yeah we get some tragic backstory from Bloodsport and Ratcatcher and they have a bonding moment and it's like a father-daughter thing and then they have a friendship montage at the bar where they like drink and have banter and have good times while they're waiting for Gaius Greaves to show up at the bar that Mark and I has been to oh that's right that was yeah that bar, that strip club was the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta where Mark and I and Christy went uh, the, the Wednesday before Dragon Con started together. Yeah, the first thing we did when we got into yeah. town in Atlanta was go to a rip joint. So, like, yeah, that's, it's, I mean, it tracks for me. It's as fuck fucking strip club. That, oh, yeah. Like, it just worked perfectly as, like, the CD fucking club in that movie. Yeah, it worked so well. I was rewatching it yesterday and I was like, I, yeah, this is exactly that space with yeah. different lighting. Like, yep. that's crazy. So, <laughs> and it, 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 I can smell the piss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can smell it. So, yeah. it's that kind of place. Yep. Yeah. So, they, fun night, though. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> so, at this bar, they managed to capture the thinker um, with some resistance from the Corto Maltese army. They get captured but escape pretty quickly. Um, that would be Flag, Bloodsport, and Peacemaker. They God, and so, peacemaker smashing the dude's head against the fucking uh, like wall of the of the cab of the truck is just amazing. Just great. <laughs> and so they decide that they're not going to Jotunheim yet. They're going to go save Harley first because they're a team and they're a family, and they're going to do that. But we get snap back to Harley, and she don't need help from no man or anybody. Oh, she single handedly busts out from the compound that she's been put in post 
presidential assassination and handily deals with like 30 armed guards and then some with a combination of acrobatics, a javelin, well, the javelin, and the a, javelin. <laughs> and like handguns, mostly handguns, lots of handguns, lots of handguns, yeah. and um, some cartoon flowers and birdies because she's a princess. Yes. 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 And she's super touched that they tried to rescue her, even though she rescued herself as she runs into them on the street outside the compound. <laughs> and then the raid on Jotunheim can begin. I just want to shout out that scene where like the three guys get out. We missed it. Like we were just talking about it, like where they decide to switch to going to Har- Gate Harley and they all get out of the the back Armored of the car, truck. Yeah. In their way too tight shirts <laughs> and like posing with guns and stuff. Cena's Cena's like bellies hanging out in the like tiny little fucking white yeah, the yeah. tiny little fucking white polo shirt and he's got his fucking socks hiked up and everything. <laughs> so good. He's a he is a national treasure, that man. I don't know what to tell you at this point. So they decide to split into two teams um to facilitate character development. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a very James Gunnian kind of way. Gunzian, Gunzian, I don't know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it won't be us. Some scholar in 20 years will have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so Flag, Peacemaker, and Ratcatcher take Greaves, uh, and they find out what Project Starfish is, which is... Not buttholes. Not, not, but, buttholes. not a butthole. It, it's Starro. It's not a butthole, but Thinker will fuck it anyway, because they make that <laughs> joke. <laughs> And Greaves reveals that the U.S. government is responsible for bringing Starro to Earth and try, I guess, trying to weaponize it or initially trying to weaponize it or something. And they failed miserably. And so Peacemaker, we find out, has been Amanda Waller's double agent the whole time and is there to scrub any evidence of U.S. involvement in Starro being on Earth. And he kills Rick Flagg. Which was sad because I like Rick Flag. I actually was like, that's a point in the movie where I was like, wait, did they just get me to give a shit about Rick Flag enough that I'm it. upset when he when he died? And the answer is yes. And if you had asked me that before this movie started, after the last Suicide Squad movie, I'd be like, I'll gladly watch him get shot in the face in the first 18 seconds along with the rest of these bums. Yeah. So um, yeah. the fact that I cared was pretty intense. Yeah. And then they had, and then he had a fucking uh, rape uh, accusation this past week, and I suddenly don't give a shit anymore that Rick Flag is gone, even though he's like a key part of the Suicide Squad mythos in the comics. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman. Ugh. All right. Yeah. Well, we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things, boys. Me just too. stop talking about them. Yeah. Well. Oh fuck. Jesus. Anyway, I can't even keep up with this shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, God. It's yeah, fuck just everywhere. Yeah. 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 So Ratcatcher takes the hard drive that has the incriminating in, uh, information and runs off. Before we jump to the next team, Peacemaker is about to kill Ratcatcher, but then we skip to team two, which is Harley, Bloodsport, Polkadot Man, and Milton. Milton's there. <laughs> doing his part. Which is great. Dying. Doing his part, doing his thing. And they're like setting up bombs to blow up Jotunheim. And they get caught by guards and Milton, unfortunately, perishes. But Harley isn't Wait, sure. No, he doesn't. He's there the whole movie. Isn't that? <laughs> Bloodsport's name Milton, yeah, right? Yeah, well, yeah. well, according to Harley Milton, Quinn, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the end of the movie, it's fine. <laughs> according to the least reliable fucking narrative. Like, narrative Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. And so we have some showdown, but Polka Dot Man accidentally sets off some of the plastic explosives and we start our building collapse active time event, press X to survive. They <laughs> jump from kind of floor to floor and Bloodsport lands right where he needs to be to stop Peacemaker from killing Ratcatcher by shooting smaller bullets into bigger bullets and proving I believe they did that like the fact that they called back to that I was like are you fucking serious that we went back to smaller fucking bullets (laughs) James Gunn man James Gunn you know what I mean James Gunn ladies and gentlemen James Gunn you know we got gotta plant and pay off every little thing in this movie so we gotta do it I'm fine Uh, with it it just means somebody read the script before they shot it so (laughs) like good job it's always an upside well the same guy's writing the script that fucking shot the script that's what happens. Is what I'm trying to say is that like for a DC movie, it's kind of a rarity occasionally <laughs> some, for these scripts to be you know, like written by somebody as opposed to multiple somebody written that nobody by reads. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then like they shoot something that nobody's reread in its entirety, and then you get Batman v Superman. So <laughs> yeah, I'll take James Gunn writing a script. You know what I mean? Yeah. So after the building collapses and Bloodsport kills peacemaker they get out but also starro is free and starts using his tiny little starfish minions to hive mind to start controlling people to face fuck people to face fuck people and yeah turn- we do see like the the end result of some of those face sucker things and it's fucking nasty Ooh, so. it, the experiments yeah. that they did on the people in jotunheim were really disturbing and, yeah. yeah yeah it was quite brutal yeah Lots of content warning warning on this. Movie. <laughs> Man, this is a hard, hard R movie. I was Fair like, oh, absolutely. I knew it was going to be R, but I was like, well, they went hard R on this fucking yeah. thing. Like it is, yeah, yeah. Like there's dicks and tits in this movie. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. everybody gets this fucking hey, show. So yeah, I mean, this isn't there. I mean, you can almost see John Cena's in his title. With title <laughs> yeah, himself, for sure. But, you know, <laughs> so like. <laughs> Yeah. That might have been a sock because I mean, Jesus, he's been you know using some juice for a long time. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I guess like in a fuck you to people who said that Enchantress's power level was too high for the Suicide Squad, they have to face off against Starro like in full giant kaiju form, which they <laughs> they make a kaiju joke. Polka Dot Man unleashes his mommy issue fury onto Starro and actually does some damage and then gets subsequently curb stomped immediately so he's not the solution to their problem it is Ratcatcher who flashes back to the time when she got to spend quality time with taika ytt which would inspire me too because taika <laughs> is her father and Ratcatcher one yeah unleashes her holy hand grenade superpower which is getting every rat on this island this impoverished island to eat starro alive which was cool and harley quinn also completes her arc by long jumping with her javelin into starro's eye for the only reason maybe to get that shot of that blood coming i don't really know why she did it other than she did it it was to do the shot of margot robbie all wet in the Uh, yeah exactly it's floating around in his like ocular jelly or whatever yeah and then it was also it was to let the rats into his eye so that they could Fucking I mean, yes, there was that yeah. too. But I mean, like the actual movie reason was just so we could see more yes, Robbie's jokes. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that yeah. was a beautiful shot. It, it was a good yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. 
And so they kill Starro and Bloodsport gets his hand on the data from the hard drive and blackmails Amanda Waller to tell her, fuck you, if you continue to screw with us, then we will upload this to every news organization in the world. And she's like, okay, you got me this time. Oh, I forgot to mention that Amanda Waller was telling them not to fight Starro. And yeah, then was going to blow all their brain bombs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then one of her um, office minions hits her with a golf club after she has a full freak out moment. And so satisfying. It was very yeah. satisfying because yeah, Amanda Waller, Viola Davis so screaming good. like that was just like, <laughs> yeah, man, man. Anyway, she did a very good job. She did a really yep. good job. And so they all live happily ever after, except for the 20 of them who died horribly. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. That that was Suicide Squad. So yeah, thoughts? All right. I'm going to give you this one, Tim. DC made a decent movie. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what did everybody think about it? Mark, do you want to go further than that? Uh, sure. I mean, like I enjoyed most of my time with it. I did feel it was a little too long. Like it needed to be like crunched down a little bit. There was a chunk in the middle, like from the, like the Harley assassinates the president till like we actually mm-hmm. get to Jotunheim where I'm like, all right, this needs to get chunked down a little bit. But other than that, I was fucking laughing through the whole thing, yeah. which I am happy about because, you know, it, that can be hit or miss depending on like the thing, but yeah, no, it was the perfect tone for this movie to be. I was very happy with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they do to follow this up because <laughs> I don't think there's more up you can go with this kind of thing. The next movie star is the weasel. I mean, it's the lead. Character. I would watch. I would watch it at this point. I'm... He's been trying to get his brother in a lead role for a long time. So <laughs> he gets too. He gets fucking to play calendar, calendar man, man in this. Oh, too. Yeah, calendar got that. man. Right. Yeah. yeah so like, that's cool. Yeah. I was like on board with that. Paul, how about you? What were your, your initial impressions on the suicide squad? I thought that it was a pretty well-crafted movie. Like my theater experience wasn't the revelry that I was hoping (laughs) for because I was just in a country with different sensibilities, I guess. And not everyone was having as much of a fun time as I was. And so I was like, kind of, I was alone in my enjoyment in that moment, but also like some of the things in the movie didn't quite work for me. And so like, even if I had been in, in a, theater setting with other people the the joke some of the jokes didn't land and yeah it was a little bit long like some of the the action sequences were fucking cool to watch and it was pretty snappy for the most part like i can't say that it like i was bored watching it it was very very well pretty well paced for the most part like 80 percent. so i would say that it was good i enjoyed myself all right. Yeah, I love this movie. I It was just what I wanted for my first movie back in the theaters after like a year and a half. It was a ridiculous fucking fun romp with crazy action and big fucking explosions that just like let my brain completely fucking check out. I'm with Paul and Mark. Like the one significant gripe that I have is that, yeah, it's probably like 10% too long or something like that. But And there were a couple minor plot holes that bugged me a bit, but overall I just had a fucking really good time with it. So yeah, what did, what did we like about this movie? Do you want to start with cast? Because like, this is such a fucking like character driven movie. 
I mean, that's like the best part of the movie is just like the cast and the interactions and stuff like that. Like, like from at the top of the fucking marquee, like Idris Elba and Margot Robbie. And we won't talk about Rick Flag actor, I guess, that much. But like <laughs> John Cena. Good. Yeah, but they, they all fine. had good. Chem- they had good chemistry. Like the rapport was good. Everybody was like snapping the dialogue together. Like they were obviously having a good time, like working through the material and stuff like that together. Like it, I had a really good time with the interactions of the cast. But like, yeah, Idris Elba and John Cena holy shit like they're talking about the fucking comedy duo to fucking end all comedy duos at this point like (laughs) put them in a fucking Hobbs and Shaw movie or some horse shit together and just like let them go because like oh my god I was fucking dying like just dying I thought the 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 petty um toxic masculinity one-upmanship would just fall flat with me but the way that they played it was perfect i think oh yeah it was so uh, so well done and i just so cartoonish that it i think it lets you overlook you know the the yeah real world implications right but it's also like openly making fun of that those real world situations and stuff like that because they're oh, so yeah. over the top with it yeah, like, like oh, exactly yeah so cena's yeah like fucking peacemaker is just such an over-the-top narcissist <sighs> and yeah like sleeping in his fucking very tidy whiteies in the goddamn oh my jungle. god like in the middle of the jungle he's like buck naked except for like bright ass white fucking underpants yeah. and he doesn't get a like a dot of dirt on him like yeah <laughs> he is completely fucking immaculate the whole time <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yeah wonderful <laughs> yeah, most I'm not. I was gonna when I was doing my notes for the movie, I was gonna check to see if this movie actually passed the Bechdel test, and I'm not sure that it actually did. I don't think any two women, except for oh Amanda Waller and Ratcatcher, to have like that little exchange about well, she not liking to wake up early. Yeah, Waller and some of her like minions or whatever definitely have your female minions have conversations that aren't about a man. Yeah, but they have to be named characters. Uh, to pass the Bechdel test, to be I fair. think all so, of I think well the 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 blonde one I think ended up having a name well or will end up having a name because she's the one that yeah, she's uh, going to be the lead. She's going to be one of the one two of the handlers of Peacemaker in the Peacemaker mm, series. Okay, because okay. in that post credit scene where they're the two that go to the hospital and and find him, you know, barely fucking clinging to life. Yeah, like I, it's it's fine. Like I wasn't like going in there to like scrutinize the movie because i was like looking for a problem i was it was just something that i had no thought about because i was it like barely passes the bechdel test i absolutely yeah. agree like but yeah. by on, on like a technicality almost <laughs> yeah but i still like the way that they handled the female characters the, all every character like i love that amanda waller gets to be a like odious piece of shit because Viola Davis does a really good job with it and it lets her uh, flex some acting muscles that she doesn't get to do that often. Like maybe sometimes on how to get away with murder, but not usually she's usually much more controlled in that regard. Yeah. I maintain Viola Davis is just perfectly cast as Amanda Waller, like cold, calculating, manipulative, and like completely devoid of any empathy whatsoever. Yeah. She's fucking perfect for this role and that i have to say that i i don't think that there is anyone who was miscast in their roles now that i think about except maybe joel kinnaman who is a rapist now but (laughs) i don't know i can i can see red flag being a racist or a rapist both really (laughs) yeah yeah fair (laughs) yeah yeah i think that the casting was 
pretty impeccable. Do I need to see Sean Gunn and everything? No, because I watched Gilmore Girls for seven years, so you know. Oh yeah, fair. I, See, I don't. Yeah, I don't think about like. Yeah, I don't, have, He's just I don't like, have that reference. So. I just have Kirk from Gilmore yeah. Girls in my head forever, and mm. I mean, I did. I did think he was abused in the second Guardians movie. I don't think he needed to be in that. Uh, in that one, in his role, he was in, in it a lot. In yeah. that one, in particular, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. His his brotherly affection is very sweet, but I don't need any more Sean Gunn in any more James Gunn movies. I know that that is probably a wish that will go unfulfilled. Oh, you know he'll be in Guardians three. Oh, like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and and the Weasel will be back. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the Peacemaker series probably. I, I hope. hope so. Oh god, that would be amazing. Fucking Peacemaker and Weasel as like an odd couple. That's that would be fucking fantastic. I wonder how if that would be. Is, was that all CG or was that a suit? Because like, oh, no, it had to be all CG. Like, I'm sure they had him on the set in like some yeah. fucking stupid gross suit, but like yeah. the character but, itself was full CG. So I love. Yeah, I I I was so glad that he didn't die. Like I, he pretty- seems like such. He would make such a great like fun fucking like idiot wildcard character that I just want to see more of the weasel. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was just one of those like green motion capture suits that like stick to your body because that actually is Sean Gunn's body type. Yeah. If you unfortunately, which I learned from Gilmore girls. Oh God. Anyway, <laughs> why did they need to show naked Kirk? And I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so I think that in terms of like every actor stood out had their moment did a great job yeah i don't know who i could shout out more really because like john cena i think maybe ran away with it in a bit uh, in most of his scenes El- elba as Bloodsport really sold the whole movie for me like he grounded the movie for me and made it like mm. not just a total fucking cartoon it was mostly a fucking cartoon but like he was the only one the whole time that came across as like even marginally psychologically balanced like him and maybe flag kind of thing but even flag has been around these idiots for too long at this point he has the the reaction you have to like just the complete fucking like <laughs> insanity the eye rolls and like fuck because he's like he's yeah he, like jesus christ gets uttered a lot under his fucking breath as this movie goes on like he says it like oh, fifty-eight thousand times because every time somebody does something stupid he's like jesus christ far off fucker oh jesus nuance of delivery of the word fuck multiple times when like his uh, harpoon is like losing grip from the rocks or whatever he's like oh fuck 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 (laughs) to be fair the british have a special mastery of that word that we just don't get to understand on (laughs) this this continent you know so like (laughs) if you told me if anyone else was making a dc movie and using Bloodsport as a character, me being a DC person that has read the like very few appearances that Bloodsport has had in the comics, I would have laughed in your fucking face when I heard James Gunn was doing it. I was like, yeah, if anybody can do that and pull it off, it's him kind of thing. Yeah. So. And he the, he made me care about his relationship, uh, Ratcatcher, which Danielle Melchior deserves some props because she was really good. She was great. She was uh, really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, their interactions were felt pretty genuine and yeah. so i was like i was on board with their father-daughter thing yeah it's a very james gunn and his daddy issues are just <laughs> like a constant thing in his movies yeah mary poppins y'all 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure it's going to continue to be a thing in his movies, but they, he did a pretty good job with this one because I think it worked. So making Ratcatcher, who's like a total fucking another like D list DC character, Ratcatcher 2, no less. The heart of the mo- of this movie was a massive fucking risk, but it totally pays off. Like, the fact that they did have the benefit of Taika and the cameo role as Ratcatcher one in the flashbacks totally fucking helps with that. And he's the one that gives the one line that really sums up the entire fucking movie and really suicide squad as a concept, which is the uh, rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures. My love, if they have purchase, so or purpose, so do we all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's just it. The suicide squad always operates in the gray areas and sometimes they find there are certain things that they can't just they just cannot bring themselves to do. And that's exactly what we have here is, you know, the gray areas, the moral dilemma. And then ultimately, you know, they figure out, God damn it. I fucking hate having a conscience. I need to do the right thing kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And did anybody curb stomp Starro as effectively as Ratcatcher 2 did? I don't know. Maybe she was the ultimate it's counter. A group the effort, but like, yeah. 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 But Justice League should definitely be giving her a call the next time he shows up. Is, that... <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, Star Wars a villain does not is is a ridiculous fucking concept that does not work outside of the comics for the most part. But this is the one chance that they had to use Starro, and they fucking did it and did it well. Like, this is the only type of movie that they could use him as a villain and have it being even be even remotely fucking believable. Yeah. yeah, I was when they said like when the the rumors started going on about Starro, I was like, all right, this is jumping the shark on me before we even get in the theater. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little hesitant about like that big a concept being like yeah. the the main f- focus of this movie. But I mean, like once you get into it, you're like, oh yeah, I mean, this is Looney Tunes at this point. Like it's completely <laughs> off the rails, yeah. right? Starro yeah. is a set piece, is if for an action scene not like it's stay puff marshmallow man by hmm. that point in the movie yeah. you are so bought in you'll fucking take the giant starfish guy you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like it's yeah. the purple and blue starfish it literally is like the stay puff marshmallow man principle we're like they've they've earned your fucking trust to this point we're like we're gonna do this insane ridiculous thing Stupid and you're gonna fucking <laughs> come along for the ride just because like it, we've been good so far right yep yeah. okay let's just go through the end then yeah it worked perfectly so it ends up being a perfect Suicide Squad plot in the end, too, because since Starro ends up being, like, an American mess that the squad is tasked with cleaning up. So, like, th- that is just written perfectly. That's exactly the type of thing that Waller would have the squad do in the comics kind of thing. Yeah. I loved it. It was such a nice touch that when they get, like, any time that Starro said anything through any of his surrogates, they gave him a Scottish accent because he would have <laughs> learned most of his English from the thinker. Yeah, I, that was I, the, just one of those little like touches that just sell, sold the fucking movie for me. And Peter Capaldi again. We need to shout out Peter Capaldi one more time because oh, yeah, Peter him. Capaldi was great. I loved his. He's so great. Um, but yeah, that whole final showdown against Starro, it was just one of those things that was just so weirdly satisfying to me. And Harley swimming around in his eye jelly or whatever is mm-hmm. like with the rats is one of the weirdest but prettiest visuals that I've seen in a movie in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially the, like the score that they put behind it too, that like sort of floaty, like choral score, you know, sort of lilty and, and whimsical kind of score, like felt like it was from a, it felt like a fucking Tim Burton score at that point. Yeah. It yeah. kind of felt like a Mario 
thing to me at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean, like an underwater Mario level or something. And I was like, yeah, what that is going too. on here? <laughs> yeah. It was strange, but it was good. Yeah. I, no, it worked really well. Yeah. yeah. The other big action set piece, I guess, besides the village murder, which we've talked about, was Harley's fight scene, which oh, was so good. Cool as shit. I don't know if I liked it. I liked the Birds of Prey jailbreak better than the Suicide Squad jailbreak a little bit because the action in Birds of Prey was a little bit. Well, first of all, the the attire was different. And also, like, it was just more visceral, like Harley with her bat. Just fun to watch. And the and the sandbag gun and everything. Yeah. 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 The the confetti cannon or whatever it was. I, I don't know. Either way. If we're going for cartoon violence, like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn delivers every time. So it was great. I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I agree that I love that fucking sequence. I loved the needle drop there. Like the Justice Gigolo is fucking perfect because, you know, that was what she was like rambling to herself, which is, again, just one of those things that like totally makes sense. I can totally see Harley having heard that in her youth or whatever, and just having internalized it and been like, this is a fun fucking like idiot nonsense song kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know about the cartoon birds and flowers though. I'm not sure. I like that actually. That felt a little like weird, like Deadpool kind of like forced to me. Yeah. Like remember at the end of Deadpool one where like the, he gets stabbed in the head and like the critters start popping up and stuff like that. At least there's context for it. Like it, it makes sense that it's happening here. Just kind of like, all of a sudden, after effects, jack off just starts happening everywhere behind her, and I was like, "Whoa!" whoa, so whoa. I, I took doing? that. I took that as like that being Harley's perception of the fight. Right? It's like she thinks that she's this like beautiful fucking princess, and like when she kills people, there's fucking like pretty flowers and little cartoon birdies coming around, kind of thing. So I was okay. I bought into it. It looked like a really violent Apple commercial to me. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. So like, it it just felt like, I mean, it's just stuff that we end up doing in motion graphics all the time. It's like dropping weird floral patterns, bursting up behind somebody. I'm like, huh, I know how to do that. But Harley's little, her escape sequence, like when she actually gets out or like chokes the dude out with her legs and everything. Robbie apparently actually did that whole leg foot escape sequence herself in a shot that was clearly gun channeling tarantino yeah pretty feet (laughs) yeah but i I always appreciate when they work harley's like acrobat like canonical acrobatic and gymnastic skills into her like fighting and her action sequences that's something they've done like i just watched birds of prey again this week also and like that's something they've been very good at even in i guess suicide squad they kind of did it but like i haven't watched that movie since we watched it and i refuse to watch Mm -hmm. it again so yeah (laughs) But no, they, they seem to have done a good job. Like, I think Margot Robbie kind of understands the physicality of the character because she seems to be really into doing like she that that's all her. It looks like it's mostly her doing all those stunts mm-hmm. unless they've just gotten really good at digital face replacement, which is also a possibility. But like it looked like she because she seems to be really into doing this stuff anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like every time they do it, she just throws herself at it whole hog. Well, she's got the so. physique for it, right? Like she's got she's got the physicality for it, clearly. I th- And I thought that sequence in general was shot just beautifully as well in terms of mm-hmm. like just just the camera angles and everything too, like the top down shots where she's doing like the, you know, Bondy like spin around with the two guns kind of thing, the two, yeah. two pistols yeah. kind of thing. The lighting uh, and that the kind of greenish gray setting with her red dress in the middle. 
mm-hmm. popped really nicely. Like they did a good job with like the the color story was there. Everything was really well done overall. Like good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And while we're talking about Harley too, one thing I want to call out and, and uh, draw attention to is that they actually made some changes to her tattoos in this that make them like less toxic. Cause she like the, the one that um, jumped out at me uh, was she used to have the tattoo on like her back shoulder used to say property of the Joker before, but now she's clearly had it redone and now it says property of no one. So like, yeah, I, I saw that. I appreciated that. And like, you know, them, them distancing her even further from, from the Joker. Yeah. It looks like she had like, there wasn't as, and I, cause I watched the movies back to back. I was like looking at where the tattoos were and stuff. And they, they took a bunch off in suicide squad or in this, the suicide squad, the titling of these movies <laughs> is going to be problematic in a couple of years, yeah. but like the face, thing that said like daddy's little monster or whatever it was on their her cheek like her jawbone or whatever it is like the jawline yeah. is gone and that kind of thing she still has the daddy's little monster but i think it's on yeah her that's chest on her chest yeah, yeah yeah but there's like a little thing that she had like writing down her jawline that's right and it's gone now and there was something on her forehead that's gone now it's just a little star or heart or whatever it is it's heart, on her face yeah. that's still there but uh yeah they've taken all that dumb tattoo horse shit that she's had since her first appearance and i guess that was suicide squad right mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah the first suicide yeah. Squad movie. yeah so good oh. which also brought us jared leto joker which i'm yeah. so glad that i have two movies i can watch margot robbie and harley <laughs> quinn in and it doesn't mean i never have to watch that suicide squad movie again it don't make you want to tear your eyeballs out yeah <sighs> let's see so i said i love the needle drop in that scene i love the Folsom. Uh, prison blues needle drop. I think there's a number of other really great needle drops that, that work. And that's obviously one of Gunn's strong points. Just look at the fucking gardens, of the galaxy movies. Uh, the other one that really, really worked for me and stuck out was the pixies. Hey, as they break into Jotunheim, that was oh, yeah. so good. And so well placed. And Mark and I were both like, fuck yes. Like we're sitting beside each other. Like, yeah, I love this. I'm always like on board for the pixies. I think the pixies should get used more often and everything. <laughs> They're the fucking like, just the goddamn best it, band. It so works like, so well for this like team of outcasts, right? Like on a, on a, on like an impossible kind of mission, right? It just fits yeah, so yeah. perfectly. I'm amazed um, he didn't save that for fucking Guardians. I feel like that was one of those ones he was gonna like use mm-hmm. for the next one. So. Yeah, I I like James Gunn's use of music. I find his you know his musical taste and playlist is very of a particular demographic. I would say. And oh, so, yeah. like, you know, he likes he likes white boy music, like white boy music, yeah. So. yeah. And, and he, exactly. he has a little bit of a tongue in cheek moment that he kind of like usually uses for Guardians of the Galaxy, where he's doing like sillier songs, something disco or like the you know 1970s singer songwriter stuff, like the Carpenters or whatever. Like he'll yeah, throw yeah. that kind of stuff in there. But his musical repertoire, even though it's well used, I, I guess it's good that he uses the the songs that affect him well because he clearly cherishes this music and he puts it in his music in his movies very lovingly. It's just that, I don't know. It's like, it just obviously falls into a particular set of musical likes and he doesn't stray very far from that. So I don't know. And I don't know if I'm like complaining about it or just pointing it out. Just saying. It definitely has overlap very much with the segment of people that, you know, no suicide squad from the comics basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there's the Venn diagram there is, has a lot of fucking overlap. Right. So like, you know, he's probably not playing to an audience here. You're right. He's probably like, these are, this is the music I know. So this is what I'm going to use or 
hire the dude that I know will put in shit that work that vibes with my taste kind of thing. Yeah, there is definitely like not so much James Gunn in particular, like particular, but like in general, the needle drop kind of like scene in every movie. I'm kind of over like it's pervasive now everywhere. Like every movie's got this scene where like a big pop song plays and like something cool happens as it is its soundtrack. Right. It's been going on forever. I understand that. But like it's so constant now, like in all of these movies, like Suicide Squad was altered because of Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy to be one of those movies. And now they've just hired the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy and turned that into a needle droppy kind of movie <laughs> to make this one a real needle droppy kind of movie again. It's like, all these movies are just needle drop movies now. Like it's all just the music nerded me is cool with that. I'm I'm totally down for that. I'm cool with it, but I'm always like, dude, like give me something different a little bit. Like that's why, like I don't want to like blow Tarantino constantly, but like mm. he does weird drops. You know what I mean? Like they're topical, but they're also sometimes a little bit left of center. Whereas like the James Gunn stuff for Guardians of the Galaxy or for this is like. Right top 40 when we were growing up right on the nose yeah right? pop so. songs have their own baggage right so when we exactly. hear them played in their like as a scene setter we bring our own baggage to it or whatever context it has or whatever so they're they can be very effective one of the things i like about tarantino's needle drops is that he usually uses pretty obscure songs from the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like he'll go pretty out there with like some of his references. And so it becomes emblematic of that particular scene. Whereas yeah. Hey by the Pixies, to me, or at least to like, especially music nerds in the internet age, probably has a lot more external meta baggage than like a, a, a deeper B-side from the Pixies catalog. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm just saying that they need to be employed with care. care. And yeah. I think that James Gunn mostly does a pretty good job with it. And I th- and like that Pixies one totally worked for me. Um, Folsom Prison Blues was so on the nose that it like, yeah. crossed back over into like good again after, you know, once it settled in. And yeah, just a jiggle was was good. Yeah, yeah. None of them stood out as egregiously to me as that last song in Guardians of the Galaxy two, like the the the, the ballad. The car, is it the Carpenter's ballad they used? Oh yeah, for Yondu's like funeral. Like that was like, oh my god, this is so saccharine because, and like so saccharine even more so because the song's on top of it, kind of thing. It was like, yeah, All right. yeah, too much. But whatever. yeah, yeah. So the, like good use of music overall, though. I yep. I would say yeah. And the other thing I'll say is that the score itself, like not the music, not the soundtrack kind of thing, the score was pretty solid too. It was fitting, relatively memorable. Like, you know, there's definitely bits in here where like I'll hear that in the future and be like, oh, that's from Suicide Squad, which is more than I can say for, I mean, most most comic book movies, period, at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the one thing like these movies have kind of left behind is the iconic score, right? Like I, I, at best, what do you have now? The Avengers score kind of thing, like that you remember well, that that one that's Avengers like... theme, even right? Like that's that's a single theme. Mm. It's just variant, variated, you know. Kind that's of what thing. I mean. Like that one, you, they only have that one theme now. Like whereas, yeah. like we we grew up on super, in the age of Superman and Batman, like yeah. having those John mm-hmm. Williams scores and stuff. And eventually, even the Danny Elfman Spider Man had its own. I mean, it wasn't to my taste, but it was its own <laughs> flavor of stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, so. Marvel has musical moments 
outside of the score that are like particular to the property like Agatha all along like they're capable of making yeah. memorable musical moments it's just that yeah their scores are forgettable and they don't like stick with me like to me the last score that I've actually gone to seek out the music for was probably oh god what the hell is that movie called with uh oh horror movie tony collette hereditary Hereditary. yeah because it's colin stetson and colin stetson his music has been used in the trailer for the upcoming horror anime uzumaki which i'm going to share the trailer with you guys because i think you guys will actually be interested in this one it's horror it's awesome it looks really cool like the animation is really cool anyway yeah but this score was definitely one where i was like oh yeah this livens up the movie and is memorable like james yeah. gunn typically knows music again and i think that comes out pretty well here too we haven't we've hardly talked about fucking Nanawe, uh but yeah sylvester stallone is the voice of king shark was just a stroke of absolute fucking genius Nanawe was great overall like just from that fucking introductory scene where he's trying pretending to read that book that's upside down but just like yep i'm i'm fucking sold on this character like done yeah, he was legitimately like, cute. Like, he was kind of adorable. Yeah. Like, even when he was trying to eat, even the way he was eating, <laughs> trying to eat Rat Catcher in that scene yeah. was so over the top. Like, he was going to eat her entire bed situation. Oh, like, just yeah. chomp her all the way down. And then, and then just like that led right into that, like, heart fucking warming scene where Rat Catcher, like, you know, befriends him and he's like, no have friends kind of thing like why we could be your friends and it's just like oh poor fucking anawe is all these nerds in the audience that fucking didn't have friends growing up i'm fucking sold just give it to me kind of thing yeah it was good it was very well done yeah He he had so many good gags like but was also that sympathetic like big lug idiot kind of character yeah, the little fucking figure of peacemaker that he makes out of c4 yeah and really doesn't look anything like me. Yeah. <laughs> the pretending he's just going to do a mustache to a, a fake mustache to blend in with everybody in the bar. Fake mustache. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think Nanawe's overall jokes landed a lot better than Polka Dot Man's did for me. Everyone is your mother was such a weird. I don't think that was necessarily supposed to be a joke. I think that was just supposed to be more like his fucking you know psychosis right like and i don't know it, it was it was it's much darker they're treating it like a joke though yeah, right like every, yeah, yeah. In, in suicide squad everyone's psychosis is a joke right like yeah and it does have serious implications at some points but like generally people are crazy for comedy purposes in this movie like harley is a quintessential example and because when you go too serious with her it stops being Gets, fun yeah. Yeah it, yeah, it just kills everything dead, kills the momentum dead. Kind yeah, of exactly. So when, uh, I don't know. But yeah, Nanawe definitely was the the Team B member that was like the constant source of joy for me. Like just con- always. And they did such a good job of humanizing him. And the animation was like 80% of that. The animation that they did for him was just fucking fantastic. Like the amount of expression that they were able to get from a fucking anthropomorphized like great white shark was just really impressive to me <laughs> yeah it was like mm. i had feelings he fi- he made me feel feelings but anyways you were talking about polka dot man and i have things to say like it was a fucking dark take on polka dot man to begin with 
like another like D-list fucking character. They were like, yeah, let's just take this and turn it into the fucking darkest possible version that we can. Like needing to purge all the dots that grow on him, like t- tumors. And I want to call out the way that they did his makeup effects in particular, like the the dots growing under his skin and everything, which were clearly yeah. like you know little like lights that they then put like under fake flesh or whatever. I thought that was actually pretty fucking effective. Yeah, it was a cool concept. Like there's a lot of what Pokemon, uh, po- Polka Dot Man, Pokemon Man, Polka <laughs> Pokemon Dot Man, man. <laughs> uh, Pokemon on the brain, uh, Polka Dot Man worked. There was the one line that made me howl. It was in the trailer, but it was like, we're all going to die. And he's like, I hope so. And <laughs> it just was like, fuck. And yeah, yeah. we're all going to die. And I was like, that worked. That that whole like Eeyore of the Suicide Squad concept yeah. should have been played up more than Agreed. the than the mommy, mommy issues, issues thing yeah i think the, 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 issues, if he yeah. had just been kind of like oh wishing that he would be dead the whole time as opposed to like i'm fueling my rage about my mom through this so i can keep going which is totally I, fucking justified let's be honest like yeah, the fact that she experimented on him and his siblings and a bunch of his siblings died yeah but it could have used a little bit of like more flashback instead of him just narrating it to us because i think that weakened it a little bit and also like it just would have been funnier if he was just like this sad sack who's getting dragged along a little bit i think it would have been funnier i like the arc that they gave him and that like at the start he was very much like i'm a loser i have this fucking stupid condition i just want to die but then like by the time you get to the strip club scene he's clearly having the time of his fucking life and he's like this is great i finally have like a group that i fit in with and then of course after that he has to like being the one that wanted that was the most like nihilistic to start out with he had to fucking Mm -hmm. die like there was no way he was gonna fucking survive this movie yeah and that and that's fine i was like kind of of all the the main squad, I guess to to die, I was fully expecting it to be him. Yeah, but I think that mostly his character arc worked. I just think that the like it would have been better if they had taken a slightly different tack with his character because I think what he was at the beginning, where he was just like mopey and depressed, was <laughs> more interesting to me than like I have weird Oedipal complex mommy issue things <laughs> going on. I don't Fair. know. Uh, and I want to call out to uh, David S. Malkin, who plays Polka Dot Man, uh, apparently took in a stray cat during the production and the costume department made the cat a little Polka Dot Man costume. Go look up those pictures. It is fucking adorable. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter this week. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I just want to call out like guns, writing and direction, which fucking is absolutely like, Without that, this movie doesn't fucking work. Like, Gunn knows how to make us just sympathetic enough to these villains. He knows how to sell them as pieces of shit, but that still have some redemptive quality. Yeah, redemptive qualities kind of thing. He gave everyone, like, a very clear role to play. And he made a few, like, that you were talking about, like, the time jumps and stuff like that. Like, he didn't overuse those. But when he did use them, those, like, editing choices, they were used to very strong effect. Yeah, I would th- say that James Gunn is a stronger character writer than he is a plot writer overall. Like, I think his plots are good, but the way that he does planting and payoff, like with the javelin and the various other 
things. There was a lot of planting and payoff in this movie that was so, yeah, small bullets, all that stuff. Some of it is so like, you see the machinations of the writing a little too much sometimes when you're There's not much subversion of that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's like, it it works, but it's also kind of like, all right, you were just doing this to get to your next character moment, which is good, but like the best writers kind of can weave those a little bit more, more seamlessly, I guess. And he doesn't always do that. Sometimes he does. And I think that, and again, I'm not bashing James Gunn. I think he's very, he's a very good director and he's a very good writer. It's just that in this movie that the planting and payoff stuff was so over the top and you can do it more subtly. I guess like Mad Max Fury Road is an excellent example of planting and payoff or like, I don't know, Devil Wears Prada. Very good example of planting and payoff. Ghostbusters as well. But this one, with, like with the smaller bullets thing as a, and it just felt, and the javelin. The javelin was like, <laughs> it just didn't feel like it fit with Harley. I like, I know that it was just like a, a gag, but it turned into a thing. And then it's a thing that didn't quite work for me. But it's fine. You know, like overall, it, like it was pretty well done. I think he's a very good writer, and I think he did a fine job. And that's all I'm <laughs> going to say to that. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. And I just want to give DC their due because there's no way that this movie ever would have got fucking made in the MCU with this much like blood and gore. Like this hard R movie with all these fucking f bombs does not get made in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I appreciate at least them like giving james gunn like an opportunity like yeah just fucking go nuts do whatever kind of thing you can show whatever the fuck you want here yeah considering they're definitely kevin faye is getting kind of pissed at marvel apparently i think i saw a headline for that this week but it might be an ongoing thing where they're pushing against doing more hard r stuff in the marvel universe and Mm -hmm. i'm like oh but then we're not gonna get good daredevil and we're not gonna get good jessica jones if Everything has to be PG-13. Or, yeah, or good fucking Deadpool. Constantly. I think Deadpool is, like, because it's a known quantity. Like, the problem with Disney is that it's always big, safe investments. And family films yeah. for them are big, safe investments. So the, I don't know, maybe if Deadpool makes them a ton, of, like a billion dollars, then we'll see. Throw Put Wolverine in there, it'll make a billion dollars. <laughs> so... It's fine. But yeah, I think that I find the comedy violence to be refreshing and fun. My theater experience didn't allow for that as much as I would have liked, <laughs> but I was really like happy with it's the first movie I've seen in a while where they really went this direction with it. And I was kind of like maybe craving it a little bit in some sadistic way because <laughs> that's I guess that's why we watch it. But it did kind of remind me of the boys that kind of had that like vibe of like, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Boys. Yeah. yeah that, that's what it made me think of like more than anything else when I was watching it, I was like, Oh, this kind of is like reminding me of like, it's got a boysy kind of vibe, which works perfectly for suicide squad. Like that's the vibe they should have been going for the whole time. Like hard R this is really nasty. And like this, that, and the other thing just, you know, we've been here. So yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, before we get to gripes, I'm just going to call it a few other things really quick. One, I appreciated that they gave John Ostrander, who's the writer that originated the Suicide Squad, a little cameo in the opening scenes. He was like one of the doctors at Belle Reve. My theory for Waller's support team and like why they're fucking incompetent idiots is that like 
after the events of the first Suicide Squad movie, she's just become such like a fucking failure in the eyes of the government that like she can't recruit anybody decent anymore. So these are the fucking like Muppets that she ends up with at this point. Like, yeah. So that's that's my theory there in terms of like why she's just like over, you know, totally fucking exhausted with the idiots that she's having to work with. Yeah. Uh, and two two other like scenes group of scenes that I want to call it one that helmet reflection shot where they show the fight between peacemaker and flag in the reflection of peacemaker's helmet. Oh yeah. That was beautiful. It was really cool and well done. And I liked what they did with those scenic title screens where they would like use an element from the scene to, you know, say the chapter title or whatever it is. Like that is something very comic booky that's been used in comic and like in actual comics a lot in recent years and it was fun to see that translated into quote unquote live action or whatever. Yeah. Um, Anything wait. else or should be great? No. I, one thing I liked where they made a joke about Peacemaker's helmet looking like a toilet and then a toilet seat. Peacemaker killing Rick Flagg with a toilet, I believe with like the porcelain from the toilet was I think oh, good, that's good subtle planting and payoff right there. That is what I'm talking about. <laughs> A shard of porcelain or whatever. A shard that, of porcelain, to, yeah, to, to shoved into his chest. Jesus. So that, that was, actually leads into one of my minor gripes because that shot was out of place for me. The shot of the, like, chunk of tile or whatever, like, going into Flag's heart seemed out of place because it was, like, the only shot that they did like that where they were like, oh, we're going to, like, show you the inside of this person's body and the damage that this attack is having on it kind of thing yeah so it took me out of it a little bit of it because of that was that like a response like if you don't see the body then they're not really dead kind of they're like we need to show you this guy's heart being pierced i guess so and in comic books that that would not be a guarantee he gets like a new heart because like tony stark or whatever it's just like get a get a new fucking heart like that's what that's what comic books are for then he could be like Rick Flag, like heart robot man or something. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever dumb thing. Uh, my uh, username for uh, today is Beard Hunter Victim. Beard Hunter is a real villain from the Doom Patrol, just so you know. <laughs> from season two. Yeah, where he wanted to kill people with beards. And I guess we'd all be targets now. So, you know. Yeah just saying but that was a that was a weird shot i also found the the harley quinn beautiful shot inside of starro to be a little bit jarring i didn't really know it felt like she was inside a fucking ava plug suit or something like that in an anime rather than like in the same movie we were just watching but yeah just like kind of random and it was the same with the the cartoon flower after effects overlay it's just weird choices like that that were not consistent i would say it's just i think that there were a lot of like visual ideas but when you just kind of pick and choose to use them one time in a random scene and then they they start to feel like it's just whatever and they don't feel like they cohere i can see how that you would find that jarring because i i did for sure with the the harley stuff I was okay with that one, but I can see, yeah, maybe it was a little out of place. I mean, yeah, my main gripe is that this movie is probably 15 or 20 minutes too long for me. It could probably have cut back on a little of like the character drama moments because like some of those drug on for me a bit. 
the the one that really drug on for me was the whole romance sequence with Harley and the El Presidente or whatever. Like it just felt that one felt indulgent for me on Gunn's part. Is like, yeah, I just want to show all of this stuff. The whole plot of like the the bouncing government and stuff like that. I, was, I don't need any of this horse shit at all. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Like, this all could have gone, and it wouldn't have made any difference to me enjoying this movie one way or the other. It would have been a plot hole probably, but I would have been like, oh, at least this movie didn't take two hours and 15 minutes to get fucking finished. So. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those jokes. Another one, another joke that didn't land. I am El Presidente now. It was kind of, I've seen that joke before. Like this, and it has worked in the past. I just, I, it didn't work for this movie. Cause like those, you knew those characters, the president characters in the general were throwaways. So it didn't yeah. like nobody cared. Even the actor who played the general has played that role before in a James Bond movie, like the the creepy, oh, yeah. like uh, vaguely like rapey kind of like generalissimo <laughs> of some like third world country or whatever. That exact actor played that exact character in Quantum <laughs> Solace, hmm. and I was like, "Why is this guy so familiar?" That's why I don't remember. Uh, and I had to look it up, and yeah, I was like, right. "Oh my god, he played exactly the same role uh, in a James Bond movie." So he's probably and he's probably done it in like a bunch of other stuff too. Wow. Where he just Juan plays Diego that guy. Bato is the actor. He's yeah. good at it. But it's just, it was very distracting to see like exactly the same actor playing exactly the same role in a movie 10 years later. I was like, wait, yeah. what? Huh? I mean, he's good at it. But again, it's like, what? The problem w- with taking out the El Presidente scene is that you take out most of Harley's solo screen time. And so I, I'm like, I have two minds about that. Was there maybe a better way to use Harley in this movie? Like maybe she should have been in Jotunheim earlier or something like that. They could have like, maybe like tried to make her into one of Starro's experiments, but she breaks out and then something like that. I don't know. And they're like, mm. maybe instead and have an inversion of the joke where instead of like, they're going to go save Harley. No, they're going to go straight to Jotunheim and fuck Harley. But she happens to be there anyway. And th- and she's like, you guys forgot about me? And then... Yeah, it would have been almost the same joke they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, either way. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I, 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 but I agree that it was kind of... It felt like a different... I think it was supposed to feel like a different movie because it was like that uh, romance thing. But I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> It also felt like it was a weird, like it created a weird time stretch thing for me too. Cause like, I don't know how long that was supposed to take. It felt like that was like a week or more of courting and, and back and forth and everything like that. But the rest of the team definitely didn't have a week of shit going on in that time. So either it was like, they explicitly say it's a day, right? Oh yeah. yeah they okay. said it's a day. Yeah. They explicitly right, I must have missed that. that. Yeah. But that, that whole like sequence just really killed momentum for me. And it took a while for me to really, or it took a bit for me to get like back on board after that. It was like, yeah, but I didn't need this whole thing. Just fucking let me get back to the crazy bullshit kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. I guess let's get back to the romp. Like, I don't want to be, yeah. I don't like, yeah, yeah I had the same. I, that's literally what I said when we walked out of the theater. It was like that whole middle section, like they could have cut a big chunk of that out. And yeah, completely fine. So, yeah, uh, you guys are griping about exactly what I've been griping about since I stopped. <laughs> thing, so uh, the only other thing that kind of caught me off guard, like I was watching it in the theater and watching it at home. I was kind of surprised that they didn't make this fucking movie 3D. Like as I was watching it, there were a number of times where I thought to myself, like this shot would have been perfect for fucking 3d and part of me wonders if if it was like a covid decision like maybe they planned to release it in 3d like when they were filming it they filmed it like this is going to be released in 3d but then they realized that they were going to do like a day and date streaming release and the box office probably wasn't going to be as big as a result and so they're like all right fucking let's cut the 3d release and we'll just do a 2d release 
if COVID means I never have to wear a pair of fucking stupid 3D glasses <laughs> to watch those shitty 3D effects in a shitty movie theater ever again, then fucking thank God for COVID. That- I fucking hate 3D <laughs> shit in movies. Just show it flat. If you can't make your movie good and it's flat, then you shouldn't be making the fucking movie, period. So your 3D is not going to help anyway. So fuck it. Yeah, All it does Avatar. is make the whole fucking picture dark. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw Avatar. Fuck Avatar. But like, anytime they use it, it just makes the whole picture basically black. And I'm like, I hate watching movies like this. Because then I get yeah. a headache from the fucking glasses and shit. Fuck I didn't 3D. even think of that. But th- that makes me think, oh, that explains all of those weird, like, After mm-hmm. Effects choices then. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Those were meant to be 3D. Yeah, there were so many effects where I was just like, wow, there's stuff, like, coming right at the screen right now. I feel like this was, this was like, you know, storyboarded as a 3D shot. You know, a, yeah. a big, like, showboat yeah. 3D shot. And then it's not. Even the title card, like as they punch the Suicide Squad title behind the characters, feels like yeah. it should be like a punched out 3D thing. Yeah, it's like not, obviously. Back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am like 100% fucking fine with 3D <laughs> dying on the goddamn vine. That technology was awful and it yeah. always has been awful. It always made, yeah, it always made the color seem washed out and dull. It and yeah. 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 And it, it was just like, even I remember seeing a movie like up in the theaters and it was like, oh, that was like a bright colorful movie. Then I saw it like in 1080p it on my tv screen i was like wow it's so bright and colorful why wasn't it like this so i could see maybe their <laughs> harley's bright red dress was maybe to actually have some color in the movie if it was going to go 3d but there you go yeah. yeah and then my final little minor gripe is that like 30 year old computer in jotunheim having all of its like data storage on a little like two and a half inch laptop hard drive that fucking flag can just go in and like rip out easily was like, that was fucking ridiculous. It was like, you know, that's fine. Take, take credit for my comment. You stole that from me. I know I was there. (laughs) I said it first. I was like, what the fuck? But yeah, no, I mean, at that point it's fucking, it's like, that's just shorthand. People know what a hard drive (laughs) looks like. I guess at this point, if they pulled out an Optane blade, you'd be, everybody'd be confused except for me and the other (laughs) IT professionals in the building. They'd be like, Oh, what the fuck's that thing coming out of a, what is that? I'm like, no, it's a PCIe Optane drive. I, never mind. You know what? I don't want to. Yeah, I have to fucking teach a class to fucking teach you what it is. It's not worth the time. So, <laughs> anything else, or should we move on to final thoughts and geek cred? Yeah, this fucking review is almost as long as the goddamn movie. So, like, I think this thing along. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. What is your final review for? Num- give us a uh, rating out of ten and your final thoughts for the Suicide Squad. I'll give it a seven. Seven. I'll give it a seven. It was fun. It was definitely a reason to go back to theaters if you're just if you need that popcorn movie experience. It was it was good. I give it a. I'm not seven is a good rating. It's just it's not like great. So I just think that there were some things that didn't quite work and manifest and they dulled a little bit of the experience for me as a whole but it was a fun romp when it was working and the action scenes pretty much make it worthwhile if you enjoy watching well choreographed action sequences all right mark how about you i give it an eight it was a fun romp this may be it's weird to say this may be dc's finest cinematic moment since wonder woman (laughs) which is not great, guys. But at the same time, like, I had a good time watching it. I mean, I don't know how much of that was just actually being in a movie theater, finally getting to see the movie with Tim, all that good stuff. Or if it was just, like, the movie was pretty entertaining, which it was. So, like, yeah, eight, I think it gets from me. And then 
I don't know. I guess we'll see in 18 months what the next Harley Quinn movie is going to be, boys. <laughs> seem to do one every 18 months. So what's, Gotham what's next? City Sirens. Gotham City Sirens. There was sirens. a story going around that they didn't have any plans for her to come back as Harley Quinn. And I'm like, who's the fucking Muppets running Warner Brothers that doesn't have any plans to keep Margot Robbie in like the role she was born to play? Hmm. Oh, okay. The people who run Warner Brothers who are doing right. these DC <laughs> movies. That makes a whole bunch more sense all of a sudden. So. And they can make her bisexual in that movie. Like, Oh, man, they could have her hook up with... Uh, Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy, yeah. yeah. Poison Ivy, yeah, they need to. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Harley and Pamela. I mean, it's on the show. Like, they're together on the show. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Let's do this thing. For me, I mean, this was a 9 out of 10 movie for me. This is the most fun I've had in a DC movie for ages. And I just... As such a low bar though these days you know that's the sad part is it's such a low bar as a dc fan i was very happy to just go in and be able to have something that was fucking fun as shit and hilarious and just exactly what i needed you know which was just a mindless fucking like idiotic stupid hilarious bloody fucking gore fest kind of thing i can't fucking wait for the peacemaker miniseries after this i think that's gonna be just a fucking blast too because john cena was just absolutely amazing so Yep. All right. So with that, we can move on to our final segment, which is Geek Cred, where we just recommend something for you to check out we think you might like. Paul, what's your Geek Cred for this week? Uh, I think I'll recommend The Green Knight to people. I mean, it's like highbrow art film uh, with an E at the end of art and the E at the end of film because we're <laughs> it's Middle English. Middle English. Oh, yeah. It's very popular with the alt movie poster like artsy scene right now like it's everybody's doing one that's crazy I, I i think that it's like it's a fine film in terms of like its cinematography is beautiful performance from dev patel is a plus gold star everybody keeps telling me about it just based on the art like the art direction the cinematography yeah, of it so really pretty and it's very much an a24 film like if you oh, like okay. that Fair movie yeah, no, that's, I'm, off the, I'm on board that's fine. yeah um, I'll watch it, it eventually. Yeah. My problem is like there all of the romance and whimsy is sucked out completely. Like if you know A24 films, they are very like strenuous to watch sometimes. Yeah, pretty dour. So. They're dour. And this is the most dour telling of Sir Gowan and the Green Knight you'll ever hear. And then, yeah, it's weird. And that i can't recommend but if you like if you like a24 you like high concept art films and this is for you don't watch it if you're expecting game of thrones or any other like medieval hack and slash because this is not it this is a character study it is basically an indie road trip film but (laughs) like a classic hero's journey like they're they're bringing the the hero's journey that was the road trip that is the road trip film and bringing it back to its roots, which is the knight on horseback thing, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. So, the Green Knight, go watch it. It's interesting. It's interesting. Nice. Uh, for my part, I was looking for like a new Netflix series to watch because I finished rewatching Community and I'd had something on my watch like my watch list for ages uh, that is based on a graphic novel. Uh, It's the end of the fucking world, which had like two seasons. It's based on a graphic novel came out a few years ago now, but I kept hearing that it was pretty good. And I just kind of had it in the back of my head. And finally I was just like, okay, I I had that thing. Like, do you ever have like where you're like, I'm going to try a couple of things and like, see if they do it for me kind of thing. It's like, I watched, I started watching a couple of things. Yeah. Like I, I started watching 
uh, what's that uh, sketch comedy show? I think you should leave or something like that. I started trying to watch that and was like, yeah, this isn't doing it for me. And I also started watching Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency. I was like, oh, this is just fucking stupid Max Landis wank. I don't yeah, fucking don't want watch this. that. Yeah, don't watch that. That's Max Landis bullshit. Yeah. And so I started I like got through like half an episode of each of those and was just like, fuck this. And then I put this on. I was like, got drawn right in. It is uh, I'm most of the way through the first season now. I'm really enjoying it. It's about these like two outcast teenagers in uh, in England, a boy like they're both 17. One, the boy thinks he's a psychopath and this girl like befriends him and sort of has her own issues. And then they have this like really awkward romance thing and they end up like running away from home together. It's just really fucking solid, like dark fucking black comedy. And there's only two seasons too. And they're not making any more of it. Like it's over because the UK knows when to fucking end things. Uh, so yeah, the end of the fucking world on Netflix. All right. So with that, we can finish off this episode. Thank you very much for listening to us ramble on for two plus hours about the suicide squad. Forgive me because when we get a good DC movie, I got to jerk it off for a very long time. But if you have any comments yourself about the suicide squad, you can talk to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can email us at dancerbotdancepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, most places that podcasts be found. And you can tweet at me at DRD underscore Tim. And you can tweet at Mark at, is it MTULet or MT underscore let? Uh, M underscore will let on Twitter, MT underscore on Instagram. I can never remember which is which. That's fair. So with that, we will say thank you very much for listening. Say goodnight, Paul. Good night. Say goodnight, Mark. Have a good one, everybody. And this is Tim saying no one likes to show off unless what they're showing off is dope as fuck. It's true. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>